that never fails to just jazz you up for your your morning show fun doing the Colton. I love doing like come on. Hey. <laughs> uh, Friday, June the 9th, 2023. How you doing, SP3? We're back. We're in the weeds on com, youtube.com slash overbooked. What a week it has been. What a day we're going to have. There's plenty going on in the world of wrestling. Uh, I, I, I want to start the show uh, by sending condolences to the family of Jeremy Lambert. Uh, unfortunately, Jeremy lost his father uh, on, on Tuesday. Um, the I was I was telling my my wife this story kind of like um, for those who were watching on Monday, Jeremy and I were doing our thing and he made like a joke about mothers. He was doing an Eminem reference and later on in the show, his mom called and he's like, "I'm gonna pick up. I want to put her on speakerphone because we thought maybe she was picking up on the reference late and you know was like, what do you say about mothers?" and Unfortunately, it it turned into Jeremy, you know, uh, having to go and uh, and head over to to home and and be with his dad. But you know, uh, there's 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 no other way to say that this sucks. Uh, we send our love, we send all the strong support, the hugs, the, everything to Jeremy and his family. Uh, yeah, that that that's really all I can say right now. Yeah, definitely. You know, I've been in the same position as Jeremy uh, just a few years ago. So I know what he's what he's going through, but nothing we can say can really kind of convey how he's probably feeling right now. So uh, all we can tell him is that he's got all of our love, all of our support, our prayers to Jeremy, his mom, the entire uh, family, you know, his missus and everybody else involved. Definitely want to send our love for them and always uh, i'm i'm here i know joel's here for him whenever he needs us but definitely uh send your best to jeremy on social media he had a great beautiful post about his uh father that's up on his twitter page right now yeah i think uh a lot of people if you haven't figured it out by now jeremy and i we uh we make fun of each other a lot jeremy makes fun of me a lot on the show especially but uh we are we are very close and i'm very lucky to call him a friend i'm very very uh just uh he he's he's always been someone that i can speak to and confide in and when i was at his wedding uh this past year sp3 was there too of course we 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 really had a good time just kind of chopping it up and i got to meet his dad and his dad was like so incredibly proud of jeremy and it's like it was so amazing to see so uh yeah it's such a sad moment um one of the funnier parts, by the way, that that phone call from Monday was Jeremy does this bit where whenever someone's in the room that was also at the wedding, they say, oh, I'm doing a show with Joel. You remember Joel from the wedding? And 99% of the time, the answer is no. And I'm like, <laughs> this, time, this time, this past Monday, uh, he says it to his mom and his mom's like, oh, yeah, from the wedding. I remember him. The Canadian, right? <laughs> Jeremy's like, yes. And I'm like, yeah, I remember. And then all of a sudden. His mom's like, yeah, I really liked his wife. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever I talk to Joe, I'd be like, how's your wife? Your wife was awesome. (laughs) I get it. She is. That's one of the billions of reasons why why we're together, why I love her so much. So anyway, again, Jeremy, when... Whenever you're ready, the seat is open for you. But uh, we send our love, we send our condolences, and uh, we, we hope you're doing all right, okay? 
at least at least with uh with you when they say you know joel they say the canadian and they with me they will either say oh the short black guy or or the the one of the three guys who were smoking smoking in the wheeze um (laughs) allegedly 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 you know cassidy haynes i hang out with him i don't know um but yes (laughs) we got arrested Discuss. Yeah, when when you're with when you're with Cassidy, nothing is allegedly. Unfortunately, everything is everything is official. <laughs> on the record, right? <laughs> That's right. Everything is on the record. That's when you have to have your talent show up in the backstage uh, before a pay per view and have a whole conversation about what off the record means. <laughs> like, this is like I was the guy who's riding with Rob Van Dam. Like <laughs> we know we know what you guys are doing. You're riding with Rob Van Dam and Sabu. Oh man, like. The records are wide open. Oh my goodness! Oh, so we got we got a lot to talk about. I mean, we got dynamite from Wednesday to talk about. We've got uh, the the thumbnails. I mean, listen, there's a lot of forbidden door talk. There's Mercedes Monet talk. There is, uh, sorry, money. I got to say it right, or else I get money. Uh, uh, there's there's uh, Kenta and CM Punk talk now is in the mix, uh, and you know you can't have uh, some bullets without a gun. So. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that, and of course, impact against all odds is this coming uh, tonight. Tonight, yes. sorry, I was looking at my DMs, I thought I got something I needed, but uh, no, it was just some being obnoxious. Uh, yes, impact against all odds is tonight. We are gonna run down that card. We'll give a little preview. Uh, if you are looking for your post show fix over here on probably on fightful overbooked it's going to be crest and i doing the post show for against all odds uh because the smackdown and rampage post show happens on the main channel so we're just going to take ourselves and come over here why not yeah. <laughs> not like they're going to pay me any differently uh and then of course we'll preview smackdown and rampage tonight because yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, was, that needs to be your catchphrase we need we need fightful t-shirts which overall just say, nee. I'll just go to overbook. Nee. <laughs> hey, whatever, man. As long as people leave a thumbs up on this video, I'm happy. As long as y'all hit the subscribe button, tap that bell, get your notifications. Let's go. And if you're in the position you want to support us financially, go ahead, drop a super chat over here on youtube.com slash fightful overbooked. Any amount, get your question statement around the air. And of course, it supports us. So we always love that. Give us, give us all your money. And uh, we'll we'll talk about whatever you want with with the money you you give us. We're like within reason. Don't 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 say stupid things. Say stupid yeah, things, but don't say like stupid things. Yes, please. Yes. <laughs> we appreciate that. <laughs> Where do we want to start? There's so much. Uh, there's so much on the plate. You want to start with? Uh, you want start with Mercedes Monet? We can start with Mercedes Monet. That's a natural thing to start with, and then we can get to all the forbidden door talk and rumors and reports yeah so fifa select reported and of course other outlets had it as well uh that there was some inquiry from AEW about having mercedes at forbidden door this year and of course this was pre-injury uh looks uh, listen i think everyone would have loved to have seen her at forbidden door there may be other places where AEW could potentially bring in mercedes money instead that might uh, fit the bill a little bit more uh, there was talk about a potential match and a feud with <clears throat> Soraya. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about how we feel about that. And uh, you did you did the pause that Tony Khan always does the pause before he says CM Punk. That's you did that pause before right? you said Soraya. 
that pause was uh, for a different reason. But also, uh, let, let's also just can, let's just put it out there that Bible Select wasn't able to confirm the Soraya rumor, but it was certainly in in other people's uh, reporting. But either way, there was built-in history and for Mercedes and and for Soraya, it would have made sense. Uh, we'll we'll talk about that. Let's talk about just the the general idea, Mercedes Monet at Forbidden Door. What does that look like to USB three? What would that have looked like? Uh, that would have looked like a huge boost and gave AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling a money women's matchup. Now they're kind of left into limbo uh, a little bit because Mercedes Monet is the only real contracted woman to New Japan Pro Wrestling through Bushi Road. Everyone else who's a female wrestler is either from another company or from stardom and stardom has a huge pay-per-view on june 25th so a lot of the talent that would be you know in consideration for forbidden door is going to be on that show so you're not going to have your mayu iwatani on on forbidden door defending the iwgp women's championship presumably right now you would think that they would place her on the big stardom show that is on the same date so it kind of leaves things in into limbo of course you can have willow nightingale defend the NJPW Strong Women's Championship, but she's an AEW talent at the end of the day, so it's not really a forbidden door as it would have been with Mercedes Monet. I think Mercedes is the type of star that would have generated a lot of eyes to it, and you know, from the other report that we're going to talk about and Mercedes Monet potentially being on there, this could have been the biggest buy rate for AEW of the year. The show is already sold out, so really the only business it would affect is the, as far as like the pay-per-view buy rates, and I think it would have been in through the roof, definitely higher than Revolution and Double or Nothing, which did a lot better than a lot of people thought that would do. Do you think that maybe if they had gotten Mercedes for the show that new Japan would have been able to speak to stardom and, and Rossi and say, Hey, I need, let's, let's say my, just for the sake of, of bringing in someone who has an IWGP championship over to forbidden door, instead of putting the title on the line at the, at the stardom show the same night, you think there was a chance that they would have done that. You think that stardom would have gone for that knowing that they have other championships and other stories that are on the go in stardom or do you think they would have just been like, nah, we're going to find someone else? Maybe Willow Mercedes too for the New Japan Strong title if they have the t- if they had the time or they built a story. What what do you think they could do or could have done with Mercedes in that case? I always kind of assume being that you know I, I've said this on on a couple of platforms. I don't know if I've said it here, but New Japan is my favorite promotion. So when they introduced the New Japan Strong Women's Championship, I, like many people, assumed this was the title made for Mercedes Monet to do more U.S. shows more than going over to Japan. I knew that after All-Star Grand Queendom for Stardom, her time in Japan was up. And I also knew that the situation of why they created the New Japan Strong Women's Championship was also a whole situation with Mayu Iwatani. Because for people who don't know, Mayu was billed as the person that was presumed going to win the championship outright and become the first champion when she first Kyrie at historic crossover last year. But because she couldn't work out a deal with, I guess, Bushy Road and New Japan Pro Wrestling for her to do, you know, shows there and go to the U.S. and defend the IWGP Women's Championship. Like it's basically was introduced for us to have the title defended in Japan and in the U.S., 
that whole situation prevented her from winning the title first, and that what led to Kyrie winning the championship. So when she beat Mercedes Monet for the title, I just presume it's a it's not only a situation with Mercedes maybe not going wanting to go to Japan all that often. I thought it was a situation of Mayu not wanting to go to the U.S. all that often. So I don't think that it was even probably an option for AEW or New Japan to bring over Mayu for this show. I think that the whole reason she won the title is for the title to be defended in stardom. But if you're a stardom fan, you've kind of realized it's been nearly two months and she hasn't defended the title yet. They kind of have positioning Mariah May as her first challenger for the title, but the match has still not been made and we're nearly two months into her reign and she still hasn't defended it. She, her group is feuding with, uh, with the, with the stardom artists of stardom champions, their trios champions, which is uh, Julia and her crew, but they haven't really positioned and made it official of when she's going to first Mariah May for the IWGP women's championship. So all of that is just very strange to me. I don't know what's going on over there. And I, always assume with stardom they're going to want to focus on their pay-per-view more than anybody else's and i think that's why tony khan gave the answer that he did at the double or nothing presser so i think the the best possible option the reason why this report is coming out is that mercedes was the plan for a woman's matchup at forbidden door and now the whole plans for a woman's matchup at the pay-per-view is kind of up in the air at this point yeah i mean you make very good points and as you're talking about uh the potential IWGP Women's Championship match at, at the next Stardom show. And if it's Mariah May's shirt, that's fine. Again, first big, you know, test for, for Mayu. Uh, I don't know. It it starts to feel like if you're two months into the reign, the title's not exactly being considered as big as other titles in Stardom, which kind of goes against what the creation of the IWGP Women's Championship was. However... It was also part to have more IWGP, aka New Japan content, in New Japan Pro Wrestling itself. So, like, I get where this is coming from. I also understand maybe where the conundrum could be. Uh, And that's kind of why I asked. I was like, would they just pull Mayu from the stardom show just to have her do Forbidden Door? Or if Mercedes was champion, would they just, well, they they would pull her from wherever to bring her to wherever the money is, uh, the the money. So that's kind of the money. That's that's kind of where my my brain is, is that that title is only, not only, it is most important in the New Japan world of things. It is not nearly as important or established as, say, the stardom titles. Uh, And you, I'm, I'm asking you this because you are much more involved in the Joshi wrestling world than I am. You watch a lot of these shows. Uh, am I on the right track? Am I off? Is it just because the title is newer that it's not nearly as established or important? Is it the crowd's not buying in? What What's the deal with that particular title? Yeah, I think it is that, that they are not viewing it as the same as a stardom championship, but I also can argue the fact that they should, considering the fact that uh, Tam Nakano just won both of their top titles. She won the World of Stardom Championship at All-Star Grand Queendom against Julia, and then she beat uh, Mina Shirakawa for the Wonder of Stardom Championship. So now Mayu is the second biggest singles champion 
in the company. So it's just, it's very strange what's going on. And I would love for someone, you know, who does a lot more reporting than I do to kind of investigate this because it's very strange that this title with all these shows that Stardom is doing, whether it's, you know, their house shows in like Kurgan Hall and then they got the big pay-per-view on June 25th. They got another big show in July and we still don't know when Mayu is going to be defending this IWGP Women's Championship. And it was also strange that Mayu wasn't on Dominion because we had the uh, IWGP Women's Championship defended at Wrestle Kingdom. Then we had it defended at Battle in the Valley. Then we had it defended at Sakura Genesis. Now New Japan has done two other major shows in Japan where wrestling Dantaku and Dominion, and the title wasn't defended there. So is Mayu going to be defending it in New Japan proper? Are we going to see her defend it at least on stardom? Like, it's just very strange why this IWGP Women's Championship seems up in the air, but it's making me feel more about what I felt about the NJPW Strong Women's Championship. I think that the fact that Mayu has the title is the reason why we created this whole New Japan Strong Women's Championship so they can have some women's matches at least on the New Japan shows in the U.S. And it seems like uh, from the commentary on Ring of Honor last night when Willow defended the title against Rachel Ellering that they are talking about Willow going over to Japan for the New Japan Strong Show on Independence Day. So in July, she's probably going to be on those shows defending the title there. So I think that the best option for a women's matchup and, you know, I can't I can't fault Tony Khan if he doesn't go this route, but it seems like the best option is either Willow versus Tony Storm, champion versus champion, or at least some combination of Willow versus somebody from the Outcast. And if you're going to just place Willow into the spot where the reports and rumors is kind of uh, persuading that it was supposed to be Soraya going against uh, Mercedes Monet, then do Soraya versus Willow Nightingale. And you already have a built-in reason because Soraya is one of the last people who beat Willow on AEW television before she won the championship. Well, we kind of just, you, you just touched on it. Let's talk about it. Mercedes versus Soraya was a rumored match. Uh, it could still happen. Granted, not a forbidden door, but is this something you could see happening down the line? Is this something you would want to see? Soraya versus Mercedes, again, there, there's a story there from their days in WWE and from when, when Mercedes was Sasha Banks, uh, from her last days as an active competitor, before having to, or sorry, from Soraya's last days uh, as an active competitor, not Sasha. Sasha's never stopped wrestling. Uh, Paige, when she was in WWE, did for a, a spell of time and never wrestled again in WWE. Uh, yeah, there, there is a built-in story there. So I guess really the question that I have is, is this a match that you have any interest in? Is there a better match that you would rather see with Mercedes money involved? Uh, what, what say you about that rumored match? As far as if there's a better match for Mercedes and Monet involved, it, it, yeah, there is a lot, a lot of matches that I'd rather that. see. I'll be about. honest, there's a lot of matches I'd rather see. You know, if if Jamie Hader is healthy, I think that's top of my list. Jamie Hader versus Mercedes Monet. Um, Mercedes Monet versus Hikaru Shida would fit in with her versing kind of the greats of the Joshi world. Mercedes Monet versus Riho is another one I would love to see. Mercedes Monet versus Britt Baker being like the two biggest female stars 
stars outside of WWE, that seems like a, a money type of matchup. But Soraya versus Mercedes Monet, like you said, has the built-in uh, story of Soraya's last match in five years back in 2017 was against Mercedes Monet. And that would be the number one reason I would love for this feud to happen, especially if they're going to build it up on AEW television, is just give Mercedes Monet a live mic to talk about that. Like, uh, Soraya, do you seriously want to face me the last time you faced me? You didn't wrestle for five years. You thought your career was over. They tossed you aside like, like garbage. I walked out. They tossed you out. Like, like I can see Mercedes Monet cutting some vicious promos on Soraya. And that seems like I, I thought when, you know, the all-in event was announced that we were probably heading towards Soraya versus uh, Jamie Hayter at that event. They're two big UK stars going ahead to head with each other. But we have the potential if Mercedes Monet is healthy by then to have two big women's matchups, which would be Tony Storm as the AEW Women's World Champion if she holds it until then versus Jamie Hayter in the UK if Jamie is healthy to come back. And then you can also do Soraya versus Mercedes Bonet, whether it's for the NJPW Strong Women's Championship or even without the title. I think those are two big women's matchups to have that all in in Wembley. So Mercedes and, and Soraya at, at all in, that's what you're saying. I mean, I mean, that seems like the best place to do it, where you know Soraya is going to get a, re- a big reaction. I was under the, uh, I thought it was a possibility. I won't say I had a high percentage. I had 25 to 30% chance that the whole reason we have this big show, I don't know, I, a, a lot of people have talked about it, the big show in TD Garden in Boston in July, I thought they were going to bring Mercedes in for that. And I thought that we, that might have been like Mercedes signing a short-term deal with AEW and her having a big match on that Dynamite in TD Garden. And maybe they can still bring her in just to make an appearance in TD Garden because I don't know how you're going to sell out that building for just a regular episode of Dynamite. And, of course, they can stack up the lineup, and we'll talk about the lineup for next week's Dynamite that's in a big building at the Capital One Arena in uh, Washington, D.C. They could, of course, put some big matches on that show, but I feel like teasing or at least teasing or building up that Mercedes Monet, that's going to be her first time on Dynamite. I thought that was the way to sell out TD Garden in July. So they could do it there. They could do it in the UK. I think in the UK, then you would get a big reaction for both Mercedes and Soraya. So I can tell you right now, there's another reason they booked TD Garden and it will probably be enough to sell it out. And it's not it's not related to Mercedes. I'm not saying that Mercedes is, is not happening. I am saying that that particular reason for booking TD will be enough to bring the crowd out. I'll put so it like blood that. and guts is what uh, I'm presuming. It is, it is something <laughs> that is big enough to make the crowd very happy and very excited to see the show at a bigger arena in Boston. One that could house um, more people or more more physical entities so there you go uh mercedes at at td would be great who knows but uh, i think for now what they're what they're planning is going to be a good time uh let's let's move on let's talk about kenta the other side of the forbidden door coin and the potential forbidden door match for kenta there's been a rumor about him and cm punk which comes to the surprise of absolutely nobody 
because this has been a match that is 10 years in the discussion, not just in the making. Uh, their, their finishing maneuvers are, well, let's just say Punk admittedly, openly admitted, I should say, that uh, he ripped off the go to sleep from the from from punk uh, from uh, from from kenta he has said it many times and he says i didn't i didn't call it the punkorama and i didn't call it the punk you out i called it the go to sleep because i paid homage to him i took his move and now there's an opportunity for them to have a match uh what say you kenta punk in 2023 is it still interesting to you is it not what do you feel okay i'm gonna be honest ladies and gentlemen <laughs> i kind of said my thoughts on this Yesterday on the spotlight. Said it also on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel yesterday. I think that a lot of the people that are begging for this Kenta CM Punk match are under some illusion that this is Kenta from 2006. That this is Kenta from 2007. And as a New Japan Pro Wrestling fan, I will tell you. It is not the Kenta from 2006. This ain't even the Kenta from 2014 who signed with WWE and became Hideo Hotami. It is more the Hideo Hotami you saw on 205 Live under the guise of Kenta. And this is just me. And I I also said this yesterday on Truly, and I'll say it here. It is more my friend Jimmy McRib asked me on a ramble, what's the drop-off from Kenta of 2006 to Kenta of 2023? And I think the best thing I said was, it's like Triple H in 2001 to Triple H in 2003. I don't know if it's as bad as I originally thought it was, where I said it was Triple H in 2001 to Jinder Mahal in 2017, but it's, it's probably closer to... Triple H in 2001 to Triple H in 2003, where he still can be good. There's times he can have a great match. Triple H in 2003 had one of his best matches with Shawn Michaels. The, 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 the uh, what was it, 30-minute matchup on Monday Night Raw at the end of the year. Had one of his best matchups. He also had matchups with Scott Steiner that was voted the worst match of the year. He also had matches with Kevin Nash. That was some of the worst uh, pay-per-view main event matches that I ever seen in my life. So that is what I'm saying. It is a very wide scope of where we could go. Kenta, when he's in Noah and he's in a tag team matchup, he has he has shades of that old Kenta. When Kenta's on the independent scene, it seems like we have shades of that old Kenta. But if you want me to judge Kenta on what the most I've seen of him, it's been in New Japan since he came back after that Tadahashi matchup where he really got hurt after taking the high fly foe with Tadahashi 255 pounds coming off a ladder and smashing them through a table ever since he's come back from there i have not seen a great kenta match in new japan pro wrestling so all i am saying is that now that it seems more like we're gonna get this matchup of kenta and cm punk let's temper our expectations and realize this is not kenta from 2006 so this will be like a ufc fight for cm punk yes Okay. Basically, sure. basically, I, the, the only way it could be good is if Kenta just slaps hot fire out of CM Punk. <laughs> he can do the slaps and the strike exchanges very well. I saw that during his Noah matches and stuff like that. But he is not the guy who was having five star matches with Brian Danielson, Nigel McGuinness, Marafuji, Kenta Kobashi back in 2006, 2007. So let's say instead, 
if you make it a trios match, you do CMFTR because FTR currently don't have a dance partner for Forbidden Door. Let's say you do a trios match. Who teams with Kenta in that in that point? Is it uh, Bullet Club Gold or is it someone else from Bullet Club? Maybe he has you know Clark Connors and uh, and Alex Coglin. Like who who would you put in a triple in a trios? Because l- I mean, let's face it. Uh, yes, Kenta has his limitations now. Years later. So does CM Punk, especially coming back. Yeah. This this trio's collision match, the main event of collision in in you know a, a week and a half, uh, less than that. But anyway, that that's going to tell the story of how CM Punk is feeling after that triceps injury and after his foot injury and after his running his mouth injury. And <laughs> sorry, I'm just being a dick. But yeah, Punk Punk is in a different world than he was even a year ago. Kenta is performing the way that he's performing. So let's say it's a trios match. CMFTR versus Kenta blank and blank. Who are you filling in? I would, I would just do, and we could now pull back the curtain of what I predicted would be the collision main event on Wednesday. I literally said it should be Kenta, Jay White, and Juice Robinson versus CMFTR. So that would be the matchup that I would go with. But I think that they are going to do the CM Punk-Kenta matchup because CM Punk in a singles match is more of a draw than him teaming up with FTR. Regardless of, you know, it being the the great match that a lot of people expect it to be and the matchup that everybody's been asking for for all these years that is the matchup that is going to draw more people to buy a pay-per-view would be a one-on-one matchup with cm punk so cm punk and kenta is the route they were going i would much prefer the cm punk and ftr versus uh jay white juice robinson and kenta even i would prefer him teaming up with like a david finley and alex coglin from the the uh, J- Japanese Bullet Club, but both of those Bullet Clubs are kind of not what Bullet Club was before. I prefer Bullet Club Gold over Bullet Club Japan, and I got a lot of heat for that, but, but it comes down to both groups have flaws, so I have to really grade them on the members in the group, and I know the members in the group of the Bullet Club Gold. I don't know if House of Torture is a part of the Bullet Club in Japan, so I don't know how to really judge them on their members, so I have to give the nod to the two members of Bullet Club Gold over the potential 10 to 7 members of the Bullet Club in Japan, so that is the group I would rather have team with Kenta at Forbidden Door. House of Torture will forever be a part of Bullet Club. You know, you don't leave. You don't leave Bullet Club. Scott Demore is still a member of Bullet Club. Jeff Jarrett is still <laughs> yes. a member of Bullet Club. And I've said this here, and I'll say it again. I need Jeff Jarrett on in Bullet Club Gold selling Global Force Gold to Bullet through BulletClubGold.com. That is the type of Carney Redrick I need. None of this. None of this. Aubrey Edwards is going to be a wrestler match. I don't need this. I need. Jeff Jarrett breaking away. Bring Karen with you. I don't give a shit about the rest. Just just Jeff and Karen Jarrett joining Bullet Club Gold. Not even joining, rejoining. Because once you're Bullet Club, you're Bullet Club for life. That's the way it goes. And you get the Bullet Club Gold. You get the gold reference. Let's do it. That's the only way I want to see this go on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kaden with the super chat asking, you think Tony, uh, it's worth Tony giving the bag to Kenta. Listen, I think people think that Kenta is demanding a, a price that is real when really he is trying to make a story out of his character. Kenta is not saying, I want to fight this guy. Kenta is saying, nah, F you, pay me. 
guess what? Guess what wrestlers do, especially when they reach the age and legacy that Kenta has, for better or worse? F you pay me. That's yes. all this is. Is he going to listen? Is Kenta going to get paid for the match? Absolutely. Is he getting paid based on the hype alone? Absolutely. Is the match going to deliver? Well, it depends how long the match is. <laughs> that's the best way. That's the best way to describe it. It really depends on how long they get. If they get like 10 to 12 minutes, I think that is right in the kind of range where they can have a good, maybe even potentially a great match. I would love for Kenta to shut me up. I had people tweeting me yesterday after I said Triple H in 01 to Jinder Mahal. I had them say it, and I retweeted it. I was like, I know Kenta will probably find this a few months from now and troll me on it if he has a great match against CM Punk. And I would love that. I would love to be wrong, but I can only judge him But what I've seen from him in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's versing some of the best wrestlers in the world, and it just hasn't been up to snuff. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Speaking of people finding old tweets, somebody liked, this is a tweet that I had from September 18, 2020, okay? When Sean announced that they were going to set up Fightful Scraps, and he didn't even know what Scraps was going to be. It was going to be Eclipse channel, but he didn't know what it was going to be. He's like, can't tell you what this channel is yet, but it's Fightful Wrestling related. Go ahead and subscribe to it. It'll make sense months from now or something. So my response to it, is this the long-awaited wrestlers as porn stars comparison brought to a YouTube format we've all been waiting for? Somebody get Cam Hawkins on the line. Do you remember that thread, that that Seahawk that Cam did that was comparing wrestlers to porn stars? Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was greatness. I still remember Gianna Michaels to Shawn Michaels. That is that is probably one of the greatest comparisons. Cam, that's probably Cam's greatest tweet, in my opinion. And he's had some all-timers. You can make a Mount Rushmore of Cam tweets, but Gianna Michaels to Shawn Michaels is up there. I am so... Oh, I love it. Oh, that's right. Santana's announcing his return soon. That's good. 6-9. That's yeah. today. So, uh, good stuff. <laughs> I just love, I love that someone found that tweet and liked it today of all days. <laughs> oh my goodness. But yeah, so the, the Kenta CM Punk stuff is interesting because at least it will, I like you said, it, if it's a 10 to 12 minute match, that's a sweet spot. And, and on a card that could potentially have a bunch of long matches, which I'm not complaining about because Kenny and Will Ospreay probably going to go close to 30 minutes. Yes. Okada and Danielson will probably go 30, 35 minutes. And uh, should. Both of those could, should. <laughs> they should. And it could go longer as long as everyone's good to go. Uh, and that's that's an hour of your show right there. You know, plus entrances, plus whatever post-match shenanigans, promos, whatever. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity for That's just one hour of what will be a, you know, 27-hour show. So, that's that's both forbidden doors. I, I think actually, I think this year they'll famous last words. I think this year they'll do a four and a half hour show. They'll be done by midnight. I'll probably be nice and warm in my bed at 
3 a.m. because Tony will keep us in the press conference until 2, and then I'm going to have to get an Uber home, and I I don't live far from the venue, but I live far enough from the venue. It's just going to, oh, God. How, how long do you live from the venue? I don't, have I, I haven't done the commute from this place yet. From my okay. old place, from the old place, uh, it would be a straight shot right up the subway line, and I would be, I'd walk five minutes and I'd be home. From this new place, nice. it's a little bit further west. We're still technically like in, uh, not downtown, but like we're still in the city of Toronto proper. We're just like further west of like where we used to be. Whereas we used to be in like Midtown. Uh, for those who know Toronto, I was over at Young and Eglinton, which is like smack dab Midtown. Now it's, yeah, and I, I do take the train. So uh, I take the, the subway. Um, I don't take the, the go train. I, I don't take the regional transit. I take the... I, I take the the, the God regular nice train. train like like in New York speak that means I I, t- I take the four line I don't take the D yeah. line yeah, I, I, take, I, take, I take the I, nicer trains I don't take those old trains home I ain't taking no Long Island Railroad to get home okay <laughs> like I get on the seven and I go into town and that's it you know I know what I'm I know what I'm doing here and I, and I get off at not 42nd because god forbid you get off of times square anyway. oh god no please don't Awful. do that to yourself. you get so lost so quickly if you don't know yeah if you're if you're not from new york i i like always try to help people even if people don't even ask me I, if you look confused i'm gonna try to help you like you should get out of over here and then if you take the four line you have to take like the shuttle the shuttle to Times Square as right. well, and then sometimes you can run into Virgil signing contract, signing uh, photographs in the Grand Central Terminal. New York fans, no, New York fans, no. I got, I got, a, I got a picture with Virgil because he was standing there signing autographs in the in the four train line off Forty Second in Grand Central. His managers were on the phone telling him to stay put. I'm sure of it. Anyway, let's <laughs> not get into that. Huh. So. Kenta, Mercedes, Forbidden Door shaping up, man. There's, I mean, not with Mercedes because she's not going to be there, but <laughs> there are other matches that we're looking forward to. Uh, what's what's coming up the pipeline? What what do you think is is coming up with Forbidden Door? Now we've gone through Dynamite and we have Collision coming up, and we have that that six man tag that we talked about that trios match with with Punk and everyone, uh, and and we have the Guns uh, helping out Bullet Club Gold. What do you think? Do we have some bullets with the gun? Because if you're a bullet club, you need some guns. You need some guns. If you're a part of the bang, bang, gang, you need some guns to go bang, bang. And I think that it was a great move. I think after the promo last week by Jay White, I was just realizing, like, when he's speaking on the mic and after that promo segment, and it went very well, I was just thinking to myself, though, I was like, he's too cool for people to boo for a long time. Like, I think eventually the people are going to be like, Jay White's too cool. Let's start cheering him. And you never want to be the cool heel. Cool heel was a thing of, like, five, four or five years ago. That was all right because it said, oh, you're over. But eventually you're going to have to become a babyface when you become the cool heel that people are cheering and you have to try really hard to get them to boo you. And you kind of see that now with MJF where he has to go to like the bottom of the barrel, low hanging fruit to even get booze because he's really over as a heel. So to make sure that he has the heat, you have to put him with people that the people don't like. And even someone like juice Robinson, I don't think fits that build because juice Robinson, I'm sorry. He's too entertaining him saying, Ricky, 
guy and him doing all this stuff. I'm sorry. It's too funny. It's too funny that he's going to get himself over as a cool heel as well. So you have to put him with some bona fide heat magnets. And I don't think there is a better option of heat magnets than the gun club, than Austin and Colton gun. And for people that were like, oh, this downgrades the bullet club gold, putting the guns with them. I am sorry. You need to look at the list of Bullet Club members if you you are saying that. You are not, you haven't looked at the list of Bullet Club members if you are saying the guns is a downgrade. This is the same group that had the Bone Soldier as a member, as a bona fide member of the Bullet Club, the Bone Soldier. And if you don't know that name, do your history. There ain't no worse Bullet Club member than the Bone Soldier, ladies and gentlemen. So the Bone Soldier set the bar very high, uh, very low, excuse me. You have someone like a Chase Owens, who I I like, but he's not viewed as kind of one the upper echelon of Bullet Club members. I think he's very talented, but he's not what you would say has star power type of Bullet Club members. House of Torture! It's the Bully Club members, ladies and gentlemen. Dick to go. Evil Dick. The, 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 the duo of Evil Dick. Evil and Dick Togo are a part of the Bully Club. Yujiro Takahashi, the Tokyo pimp. And yes, he gave us um, um, Mebe. Uh, he gave us he gave us her to the group. And that's his greatest contribution to the Bully Club. So all of those members, I think, are you. I would put the guns on a higher level than all of them, and they are heat magnets. No matter what they do in AEW, fans are gonna boo them, fans are gonna cheer ass boys, they're gonna do all of that stuff. So, I think this is the right move to make sure the Bullet Club has some heat. And we don't even know for sure if they are members, but if that is the route that they are going, I am for it. So, I, I just want to clear one thing up, chat. I don't want you thinking that SP3 th- thinks that Taiji Ishimori was the problem. The original no. Bone Soldier, soldier. No, that the original. Yeah, le- yeah, I, oh. yeah. You're, yeah, you're talking. You're thinking of the second coming. I'm talking. I would have yeah. said Taiji Ishimori. I would have just said Taiji Ishimori if I was referring to Taiji Ishimori. No, I, I am talking about the Bone Soldier. Yeah. <laughs> I think there are some people who don't realize that for a time Bone Soldier was a totally separate person. And the yeah. second coming was Taiji, and that was that was the big moment. Having Ishimori join as the Bone Soldier that was that was good stuff. Yeah. So I agree with you uh, the, on the gun stuff. I, I also <laughs> I want you to put over uh, you, the show that you do with Jimmy over on True Heel Heat. Talk about Ramble, or, yeah. Talk about Rambles, and I want to know what Jimmy's reaction was to uh, to the gun stuff because I, I I admittedly didn't get a chance to to watch. I try to pop in when I can, but. Uh, Talk to me about this because it's a different show than I think people are used to when it comes to AEW chat. Yes, uh, it's very much of like you. I think you put it best. It's like Sour Grabs meets an AEW Dynamite review because Jimmy a lot of times will give LVP to the show to Tony Khan because he didn't like the booking of the show. (laughs) And his term, he gave me the greatest term for this week's episode. He said this was the best kind of wrestling show that I hate. 
<laughs> that was his description of this week's Dynamite. The best type of wrestling show that he hates because it was kind of a variety hour where you didn't see a lot of the same people throughout the show. You had different, you know, people, and he doesn't like that. He likes a character narrative. He likes seeing MJF multiple times throughout the show and stuff like that. So he does not like this type of show, but he actually enjoyed the show overall. And like me, I, I was surprised as anybody that he actually actually was all right with the guns interfering for Jay White. And he's been a very much kind of at the forefront of people who have complained about Jay White's booking since coming to AEW. He is, he literally like week two was like, can we talk about how Tony Khan is ruining Jay White? Like he's literally been on that. So I think that it made it all better that the guns interfered in that. It was the fact that Jay White was main eventing the show. So I think that that's another reason why he was, he was all right with that. But AE Ramble is just so much fun because Jimmy just has me cracking up, uh, saying say some ridiculous stuff. Like, I think Caden was in our chat and yeah, Caden was complaining about the show. And I said that he was he was whining or something, or or I, I called him a female dog. And then Jimmy says, Jimmy says, and he sent a super chat like he just did here. And he was like, Well, man, look at that, man. You're like a regular pimp. You call him a name and then he pays you money. He was like, he was like, Caden, you got some beautiful hair for a trick so yes that's the type of things that you get from jimmy on ae ramble every thursday 105 p.m eastern time probably the funniest aew dynamite review that's out there on the on the youtube channels for regular listeners listeners of this show and watchers you will know that whenever sean's here and we talk about aw and i mentioned once upon a time we, we did talk about the aw sour graph stuff and i know sp3 had had pitched jimmy to me as, as one of the people to do it and if they ever pull the trigger he I, i've said to sean i'm like that's your guy and so sean <laughs> he is on sean's radar based on that and caden sends a super chat saying like you said, the, the trick did. Uh, Ramble is legit the best AEW review. Yesterday went off the rails real quick in multiple different directions. One of the funniest episodes. I know we're not here to put over True Heel Heat, but SP3 is here and it's a fun show. So maybe tonight, go check that out. You guys have a, a, a review at 105 Eastern anyway. So in between getting out of the weeds with us at noon and that 105, you can at least check out part of Ramble. So go go do that. It's a fun show. Thank you for the for the love. I I oh. always I always appreciate Joe. He always pops me whenever he he brings it up. And Jeremy tried to take credit for it. Tried to take credit for for bigging it up. And I told him I was like, no, I know it was Joe who put me over first because Joe is is one of the one of the bigger supporters of AE Rambo, and I appreciate you for that, sir. Someone has to. <laughs> As someone who who loved and and I dip in and out of sour graps. It, it, for me, it's a mood thing. I have to be in the mood to like internalize the sarcasm and internalize the feeling that Alex has. I love Alex, the human being. I don't always love Alex, like the booker reviewer, like commentary guy. That's why like the, the NXT show that I did with Kate this past week was categorically different was because first of all, Kate and I came up with the idea of making this like she's sour on NXT, but I'm completely the opposite. And I'm like super excited. So I'm wearing the Hawaiian shirt with the, the, the pineapples and everything. I'm wearing a pirate hat. I'm saying stupid shit. And then halfway through, she's like, I got to drop this bit. It's too good. <laughs> and we got uh, you, anyway. 
it works better when you have a balance, and I yes. think that's why me and me and Jimmy work because yes. a lot of times I'm I'm much higher on the show than he is, and sometimes he'll get me, I'll get him to like the show more by my description or my love of it, and sometimes he being so negative about it will make me more down on the show. So it's a, I I do agree that it works sometimes those type of shows better when there's that balance, and I I definitely I think I saw a little bit of it on the Twitter page but I'm going back and watching you and Kate because I know that was a bunch of fun. You and Kate have so much chemistry together. I love it. See, now I'm putting over you guys. <laughs> Fine, Kate. I, I hate Kate, but I love Kate. Uh, <laughs> has, there ever been, has there been an episode of Rambles where like it's flipped? Where like Jimmy's loved the episode and you hated it? It's yes. Happened? Okay, I it's happened before. Where I think I think it was um it was actually recently when um Dar- when they had the Darby Jungle Boy and Sammy promo. I hated that promo so much with the passion because I was like, how are you making Darby and Juggle Boy, the two top baby faces in your program, heels, and then everybody likes Sammy? I hated that episode. And Jimmy was just like, no, it was all right to me. I saw MJF a bunch of times. It was fine. <laughs> Speaking of MJF, uh, let's let's get into that promo with, with Adam Cole, baby. So yes. to the surprise of no one, I Jeremy and I talked about this for, for about a solid week that uh, I think it was two weeks ago, just before Double or Nothing, they they changed around an MJF segment backstage where he was approached by Renee Young. Sorry, Renee Paquette. I sometimes dip into old names. Uh, hilariously, she is from my neck of the woods, and I still mess that up. Anyway, uh, Renee Paquette saunters in and says, hey, MJF, what do you think about this match that just happened? Going into to, to Double or Nothing at the time. And MJF ends it by swatting the mic away, and that's it. When originally it was reported that the promo was supposed to be that uh, Britt Baker walks in and says, you know, there's someone coming after that title after Double or Nothing, Bay Bay. And that was going to set up Cole versus MJF. They didn't do it at the time. Instead, they kind of decided to put the emphasis on the Four Pillars match, which to me was was a better idea, was making the focus on the match that was already kind of troubled in its own way in terms of build uh clearly not a problem because the match itself was great but we're not talking about that we're talking about mjf and adam cole baby they they started that last wednesday or this past wednesday on dynamite good promo off uh i have my opinions about it but i am interested in yours first sp3 what are we doing this early with cole and mjf I, I thought the promo exchange was really good because you finally had someone after the whole Pillars program where not everyone could compete with MJF on the mic. Like we know that Jungle Boy, his promos is not his biggest strength, and he knows that as well. We know with Sammy Guevara, they couldn't really decide what character they wanted him to play. Like midway through it, he turned babyface in the whole program. And Darby, I think he did the best in promos against MJF, but he's not the guy that feels like he's lighting the world on fire and doesn't even sound that confident on the mic. With Adam Cole, I think you had somebody who felt like a top star, who talks like a top star, and who delivered his promo very well. 
saying all that, I would say that MJF won this promo battle because MJF had a lot of some some one-liners, some zingers, and I don't always like the insider smarky stuff. Like I said before, I didn't like the whole Darby, Jungle Boy, and Sammy Guevara promo because a lot of their promos were all about, oh, I used to sleep in a car and work at subways to get here and all that insider information stuff doesn't always go over well when you have someone who is not that great on the mic. But when you do have someone great on the mic you can do those insider stuff those shooty stuff talking about various reports so that's why i enjoyed mjf's promo because he does a great job always of building his uh opponent up and then tearing them down little by little so i liked him talking about he was a big fan of adam cole he was the reason that he watched ring of honor and i studied your tapes and i saw you in czw and i saw you go to florida and then him using each and every one of Cole's kind of famous one-liners like you went to Florida and you shocked the system and you were the greatest champion in that promotion's history and that my friends is undisputed and but what happened and then he basically hit him with the and I, and I know this is a reference from 20 years ago he was like in ROH you was the man homie what the happened to you he was like hit him with the what the hell happened to you I love that he was just like what are you now he was like you went from the Panama Playboy to the Panama Game Boy you're too worried about playing video games on Twitch you got Britt Baker's balls in in her purse you, you your body doesn't look good that was the troll part that was the Twitter troll because everybody has been saying that and they never really have referenced it on TV but MJF is the guy to get that across and say that oh you look frail they're so frail that crack whores are or jealous of you and stuff like that and that's just it only mjf can get away with those type of lines but i really feel adam cole is the only guy in recent memory that could come back and come back hard on mjf i didn't think that he came back as hard as mjf went in on him but i thought that he came back very well and suited himself and felt like a top star responding to mjf talking about his body of work, talking about how Brick can probably beat him up and why do you always bring up other people's relationships? Is it because your fiance left you and he was all the fans know I'm better than you and you know and they know it and I liked all of that and I liked the response of Adam Cole basically goading MJF into a, a matchup for next week and next week's Dynamite feels huge and a lot of that is down to the Eliminator matchup between these two guys and the work they did in the promo exchange this week so i'm of two mindsets with this promo i liked it it was fine it really felt like every other setup to an mjf feud that we've had that's not always a bad thing don't get me wrong but it i don't like when i can point that out i don't like when i can think back and be like oh we did this all the time that being said the two of these guys know how to make this uh a, a more special kind of feud they will get personal as expected they already did i hate the balls in your purse stuff i never liked that i think it's i think it's old hat i think we're done with it it just seems eh. but that's that's again is that a wrinkle on the mjf story where max is just going to keep making like wwe references because he is trying to be like courted by wwe that's part of his his story right now it's part of his his character uh and as a result he can get away with saying that i wish i wish that we would you know get away from that stray away from that 
but Cole handled it well. I love the idea that Adam Cole's, Cole should have been like, you know why I'm the Panama City Game Boy? Because I get paid a shit ton of money to play video games and not take bumps. Max, you and I are very similar. You don't want to go to work? I like to go to work, but I also like working for the people. You know, he could have he could have turned that into a whole like you like money. Well, this is maybe if you started a Twitch and you weren't a giant piece of shit, you could make a lot of money playing video games too, like AW5 Forever, which drops on June and turns it into a whole promo. Oh, it, yeah, it turns into a promo and promotion. But I like the fact that he he played on one of the traits that I don't think a lot of people mention about MJF, despite MJF always going like, oh, I don't care what the fans think or let me cry into my money. He very much cares what the fans think. He literally, he contradicts himself constantly when he says that, oh, I'm upset being with AEW because the fans don't respect me and they boo me. But you just say you don't care what the fans think. So he contradicts himself constantly. And that's a part of his character. He has a very three-dimensional character where he's very insecure about his place and him as the AEW world champion. He has the championship, but he's still not happy. And that's why he has to... Uh, you know, tear people down the way he does. And Adam Cole played into that character trait and that's how he got his matchup. Yeah. And so I, I like that Adam Cole did play into that and said, they respect me in the back. They, you know, they don't respect you. You want respect and all that. They're, that, that plays into the story very well. And I'm hoping that they continue with that. So now they're going to do a world title eliminator match next Wednesday on dynamite. It's going to be MJF versus Adam Cole, baby. Now, Forbidden Door is coming up. All In's coming up. All Out's coming up. There's a lot of space between now and, and the next set of shows. Do you really get to the? Uh, do you get to Adam Cole and MJF immediately, or does Cole lose by shenanigans or something, and Cole eventually gets his way into a title match in in the fall, the late fall, let's say full gear time, he gets himself back into it. It's interesting because there's so much time, and you don't. I know, like, like. Uh, many people out there, I don't think this is going to be the title match for Forbidden Door because it doesn't fit the build for this AEW New Japan type of show. So I could potentially see them doing like a, another four-way or multi-man matchup if the title is going to be defended, but I think it's going to probably be in a tag team match. Unfortunately, we're not going to get five, just five guys versus just five Jews. Hold on, but what if, what if the match ends on Wednesday with the formation of just five Jews. I was thinking about this. That's the best way you do it. Adam Cole loses the match because of the formation of just five Jews. And then just five I mean, save. You might be on to something there. But I think that uh, the Wednesday show, Adam Cole needs to win that one. He needs to win this eliminator because I, I, I said it before. I'll say it here that uh, Adam Cole is just getting back. And he's only had really one singles matchup on AEW television, beating Daniel Garcia. He beat Jericho in the unsanctioned match at double or nothing. But I felt like before he even got to MJF, he should have had another feud to kind of further establish him as a top contender. But since you're not going that route, he has to be uh, MJF here because then that takes away one of the narrative threads that MJF has been trying to create, that he has a lack of competition. Not only do you have competition, now your competition has proven they can beat you. And that will be the first time MJF has taken a loss since uh, the Wardlow match back at Double or Nothing last year. So it's been enough time 
where he's not going to lose that much by taking this fall. And it's greater for the story for Cole to beat MJF. And then you can do the matchup on like a big show coming up in July. But I think there, I think they need to do the title match on TV, the first one. But I think it's going to lead to the bigger title match at an all in or an all out. So I think that it's a rare occasion that I'm asking for this. If they do do the title match on TV, it ends in disqualification because MJF knows Cole can beat him. He basically just wants to get out of there with his title. The AEW does the non-finish so infrequently that it makes me want to see a non-finish. <laughs> that's the, that, I think that's a good thing of what they've created with this company. Well, you're talking about uh, big, big shows in July and uh, big announcements as we do in AEW. We have somebody here who is going to make a big major announcement. So uh, I think we should uh, bring him on for his big major announcement if he's ready for us. Hello. Am, hi. Hey. Am, am I making a big major announcement? Is that, I, is it, that what it I mean? Depends. It depends. How major is this announcement? I was going to do the bit to set it all up. I was going to do that on Wednesday, technically. Um, I'm not in the mood for, for bits and stuff. I just kind of stopped by to say hi to everyone. Hi, SP3. Hi, Joel. Hey, hi, everybody in the chat. Um, I'll have an announcement about... I, I hate that I'm not going to do this as a as a bit thing, but here we go. Sure. Uh Thanks to all the great fans at Fightful Overbooked. We appreciate all the support. And we have a major announcement for the July 3rd episode of In the Weeds. On that show, you're going to see Megabyte Ronnie as the host and the MC of a hot dog eating contest. As Matt Brannigan takes on me. Big smile. Jeremy, Jeremy, You did execute it in the same fashion as Tony Khan. This is how Tony Khan would have done it. You see, ladies and gentlemen, on the July 3rd episode of In the Weeds, on July 3rd, it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be Megabyte Ronnie hosting a hot dog eating contest on July 3rd episode of In the Weeds. Against Jeremy Lambert, <laughs> <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta have the pause. The, the, that the was yes, the long pause is what sells it there. That was that was very good. SP three. Um, oh yeah, there's there's a uh, if you want to keep the in the weeds universe and the continuity going. Sorry, it's very sunny out here. Um, I'm, it's a beautiful uh, day where you are. Yeah. It's nice. I'm I'm in North Carolina. I'm walking over to Harris Teeter. I hope they have the Dr Pepper ice cream that they do not have in Ohio. That's legitimately the only reason I'm walking over there. Um, is in search of this Dr Pepper ice cream. I went to one grocery store. They didn't have it. So now I'm on to another one. I just dropped my dog off to get uh, groomed. And everything, Cody, the the great Cody Rhodes, the the Lamberts have more than one royal dog. Uh, the, the great Cody. You have another one too. You want to tell them the name of that one? Yeah, Brandy is our is the other dog. So we have a Cody and we have a Brandy. 
Cody's got to get pampered as, as you would expect, you know, got to overcome some adversity, uh, and, and to know, to, to get to where he needs to go. Um, I don't know. I just, I just wanted to say hi. I'm, uh, uh, yeah, that's, I don't have a lot. I'm sorry. It's, like no, I'm, it's good to see hi. your face because <laughs> yes. it's just good to see a smile. It's good to see you here because, uh, we we know that uh, this this space can be a lot of different places for us, and it's nice to see that you come in and have a good smile for us. Uh, yeah, and, and that that you're here. I mean, I've I've missed you guys. I've missed doing the show. Uh, I apologize that I've missed all the shows this week. Um, I mean, for those who know what's going on, you know why I missed the shows this week. Uh, I SB there. I appreciate you. I just. I, every time I see Jensen's like, oh, don't worry, uh, SP3 will co-host. Joel's like, I'll, I'll get SP3. It's fine. I was like, bless even, SP3. And every time every time they're away, I'm like, oh, it's fine. I'll get SP3. It's good. <laughs> I told you, I, I, I'm the I'm the utility player. I'm the utility <laughs> player. That's what, that's what Jensen called me yesterday. That's what I'm here for. It's man. very true. It's very true. I, I appreciate you. Uh, doing doing this i know it's been short notice for you so so i appreciate and again thank you to uh everyone who's who's reached out and said said kind things and and sent condolences and all of that stuff i really appreciate it i apologize if i've not messaged you back individually or anything like that i've largely just tried to unplug from everything i've no don't ask me anything about the the world of wrestling i don't know what's going on right now um I heard, I did hear in the world of wrestling, though, you guys can can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but they put the world title on Miz? Miz beat yeah, Roman? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what yeah. I heard. Yeah, that's the thing. They brought back the Miztourage, too. Yeah. Oh, yes. I yeah. missed that part. They had to do something with the. They had to do something with with what's his face with Uncle Howdy. So they didn't even yeah. make it. They didn't even make it. Bo Dallas. They just brought out Uncle Howdy, and he's part of the Miztourage now. And nice. Bray is too. Bray came back, and he's a part of the Mister Roger as well. That's good cinema. Like you want to talk about, like you know they they like to throw that word around a lot, but like Miz is an actual actor. Like he's he's the star of like eight Marine movies. Like he doesn't really get much bigger than that. The star of a Christmas special as well. How many people have starred in Christmas specials? Like the Miz is very talented. He had. Uh, reality tv experience before anybody had reality tv experience so the miz really deserves it he he deserves to end that reign from roman reigns like if you're gonna end in a cinematic fashion i don't think you can get really bigger than the best wwe superstar turned actor of all time which is the miz so good call by i assume Vin. maybe sean made that call uh but that seems like a vince call vince probably called that in and you know, he's still got his fingerprints on. Old man still got it, is what they he still got it. They like to say he was backstage. He made the move. He made the move that needed to be done. You also forgot, Joel, that uh, that uh, Jay Jay Uso made the choice and he joined the Mister Raj as well. That's right. Everyone that's, joined. Oh, him. yeah. Oh, yeah. is he the Miz's stunt double? Because like, that's, yes. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yep. Yeah. Nice. I Very like nice. that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I just saw the headline. I didn't read the article. I just saw the headline. Miz wins world title. I should have read the article. There's a lot of good details in there that I completely missed out with the Miz Taraj being back and everything. That's a lesson for everybody. Don't just read the headline. Read the entire article. That's right. Get your context. 
That's what's Fact. that's what it's here for. Otherwise, you just big match. Yeah, big match oh. coming up. Miz versus Roman rematch, and Sabu is the special guest enforcer. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, they're really pushing Sabu. I don't know what happened. Sabu has had this career resurgence. He is. I think he might win the world championship by the end of the summer. He broke the forbidden door. Yes. <laughs> I hope Miz shows up to Forbidden Door, just walks in there. It's like, hey, what's going on, guys? Do you think, point. Get to the point. Do you think instead of tables, Forbidden Door will have a bunch of doors that they go through instead? And then nah, GCW's got that on lock. GCW's yeah. already sent that C&D. Lauderdale has, call, has made all the calls, and he's like, absolutely not. Not on my watch. Not on my watch, Tony and Rocky. That ain't happening out here. Tony got to set up that deal with Circle Six. <laughs> Good luck with that. I'll, I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. I don't. Uh, bless Circle Six. They ran that. They ran like a, a, a backyard during WrestleMania weekend. You could just like. Did. Oh yeah, yeah. You could just like wander off the streets and just come watch like wrestling. They're like jumping off roofs and everything. Like they were trying. Bless them. Like th- those shows got like no buzz, man. Absolutely no buzz. Wasn't there big thing Suzuki doing karaoke? Yeah, that rolled actually. Yeah, like, that was what? a good time. The rest was nothing. Although, See, this is this is the issue. They gave every wrestler a card, and we're just like, uh, you figure it out. <laughs> this is this is the issue with Mania Weekend. Is everyone just wants to do like wrestling shows, and that's stupid. Why there's so much wrestling during WrestleMania weekend? They had it right with like Suzuki doing karaoke. When we have our own show for WrestleMania weekend in the weeds, WrestleMania weekend extravaganza, whatever we're gonna call it, uh, I have no idea. Well, once we get the sponsorship money and stuff, we'll figure it all out. We're not booking wrestling matches, we're gonna book like carnival games. With these wrestlers, yeah, and, challenge, and, like, the the challenge. <laughs> yeah, like why are we doing wrestling matches? That's stupid. No, everyone's gonna do these wrestling matches. You know what a real dream match is? I mean, Orange Cassidy and Minoru Suzuki would rule, yes. but like Orange Cassidy and Toro Yano playing like pin the tail on the donkey. That's what we're doing mm-hmm. at in the weeds, weedy extravaganza. We're all just gonna be in the in the weed, you know, in the weeds, and we're just gonna play carnival games and stuff. We're gonna we're definitely gonna do karaoke. That sounds like we're gonna have dance competitions as well. We're gonna do that. That's nice. that's the uh, WrestleMania weekend show we're running when we have the money or when we buy NWA. That's still a, a bit, I think. Well, it's not gonna be in uh, in Pennsylvania. It's not gonna be Philadelphia. Apparently, that state is still considered well you know that doesn't really matter right it's considered illegal in a lot of parts and like you know i mean in terms of like promotion of this the concept joel we can do whatever we want it's 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 wrestlemania weekend ain't shutting us down and it might shut us down wrestlemania is a lawless weekend it's yeah we we can skirt around all of that you know It'll be like CM Punk coming back the first time. The second time, they just outright like told you he was coming back. The first time, it was the wink and the nods. We'll do a lot of the wink and the nods, but you know we we can't be we can't re- be held responsible for how people interpret 
what we are saying. You know what I mean? Like we're not yeah. outright saying it. If you want to interpret it a certain way, that's not our fault. Brian Sullivan the in the chat saying New world. Jersey is right next door, like a that five minutes over the bridge. But I'm not allowed in New Jersey because the Impact World Champion might try to beat my ass. I heard you were trying to fight him again. Like, what are you doing, Joel? <laughs> I got I got a few months until you know I see him, so may as well try to goad him a little bit, right? Okay, Let's but like, what's that going to change? You're just going to make him angrier. Like, yeah, you will. What is what is that change of like? I got a few months. You you make it sound like I got a few months to get in shape to no still no, get beat up. No, like it's not that. It's honestly like let's face it. Come come July, and we'll talk about slam. Or we'll talk about against all odds later. Um, you know, if Aldis uh, Aldis wins the world title, then Macklin is uh, a man without a horse, and I will poke fun of that man without a horse. See how he takes it. Dude, I can't wait for him to just punch you in the face. That's going to pummel great. you. I'm going to kick him in yeah. the face. <laughs> it's a good strategy. That's a right? good strategy. I honestly. wish more wrestlers would employ that strategy. Shinsuke Nakamura, five years ago, that was the guy who employed that yeah. strategy. He knew what to do. Cock Nakamura? Oh, one of the best gimmicks of all time. It was great. I was, yeah. I was there live for that for that show. Uh, it what was it? Backlash 2018. Yeah, where the they double, did the, the double, double, yeah. the double kick to the day. I was there live in Newark, New Jersey. I was there live for that. Thankfully, I got that ticket for free. <laughs> the most crap boy finish you could think of, and we were all laughing. And then people walked out of Samoa Joe versus some versus Roman Reigns in the main event. I yeah, because it was like a 20-minute headlock <laughs> compilation. <laughs> people hated that show so much. Oh god. Yeah, so so I'm gonna kick Steve Macklin on the dick. That's the strategy. Again, this is a good strategy. The wife is always advocating for like pinching and hair pulling. No one uses a good pinch. You know what I mean? Like you're in a submission, you like pinch the back of their leg or something. They'll get off you quickly on that. So smart people gotta people gotta start using when you when you fight a bunch of kids, like you start re realizing these strategies a little bit better because they don't they don't play by rules either. They'll gouge your eyes, pull your hair, bite you, pinch you, tickle you, whatever it takes to to win. So. This is how people got to learn how to start wrestling. I appreciate I I admire your strategy of a good dick kick, Joel. Thank you. I'm glad we can do this. Steve Macklin, in the dick. you got a dick kick going your way. <laughs> but where's Kyler to clip that so we can just Oh, that. no. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm going to tell him not to. Oh. Uh, anyway. make sure we, have he does. Guest, we have a guest for next <laughs> Friday, by the way, just letting you know. Is Set it Steve up. Macklin to punch you in the face? <laughs> no, it's not Steve Macklin. <laughs> oh. Uh, it's uh, it, I don't mind saying it because if she reschedules, it's fine. Uh, Iridian from the uh, the AW. Oh, Flip. okay. Yeah, yeah, I know we we had talked about that. So good job uh, nailing that down. I don't know when I will be back in a full time capacity. Um, but I wanted to stop in and say hi. I will not take up any more of this show that technically I'm on, but I don't want to take up any more time. Um, I wanted to stop in, say hi. Tell everybody, thank you. Appreciate everybody. Um, thank you, Joel. Thank you, SB3. And thank you to thank you to the great fans of In the Weeds and Fightful Overbooked for your support. Justified, this is awesome chance and all that fun stuff. No, but but sincerely, sincerely, 
thank you guys. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll be back when when I'm back on stuff. Yeah. Until then, SB3 can just continue to do a much better job at this than I do. So <laughs> no, no. I, I can never, I can never re- replace you. I just do my my own thing of talking with my hands. That's that's my I mean, thing. I mean, SB3, like you 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 could if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> No, Jeremy. Jeremy, when you're ready, the seat's open for you. We'll, we'll have you. We'll have you back when you're when you're bright and ready for it. I one last one last thing to say. I don't even know how to like close out on the phone. So like, I'll probably oh, there's a leave button. I guess I can like do my big like big punchline here and then leave immediately. One last thing to say: Nuggets in five. Nuggets in five. <laughs> hey, I, that's what, that was my prediction. MVP. That was my prediction from the start. I said my head says Nuggets in five. That was my prediction from September. I don't want to hear it. I want all the credit for my Nuggets prediction. I got to clip that one. Nuggets in five, everybody. Everyone take care. Thank you guys again. Love you guys. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, SP3. Thank you, buddy. Take care. Thank you, bud. See you soon. Yes. That's the running I like to see. Absolutely. Better than Eggman. I like to see a smile on his face. Of course. <laughs> Better than Eggman, who I'm sure will. Actually, I think he's out of the office today, so maybe I won't see him. Now that I've like summoned his name and likeness, he's going to summon him. Yeah. <laughs> Look at these eggs I have. And then he just leaves, and it's very unsettling. <laughs> anyway. unsettling. Now, I now I don't even know what to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> he threw you for a loop. You weren't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Oh God! Let's see what's going on here. Uh, yeah, so um, there, there's this, there's this feeling that I have going back to MJF and Cole. There's this feeling that I have of Cole losing because this is something that that Tony Khan has done before. Where remember when Hangman was trying to get his title shot, he kept losing match after match, and he couldn't get to Kenny. They had the Dark Order, the ten man tag, and they did the big. You know that everyone thought that this was going to be the Dark Order's moment, and that they were going to get the, the big title, the big title match, and that didn't happen, and it deflated the sales. And you know, you could talk about whether or not it was effective storytelling at the time, but you could kind of play something like that again, where you delay the title eliminator doesn't completely remove you from title contention; it just moves you to the back of the line. And between now and the fall, you can have Adam Cole kind of build himself back up. You can have him suffer that and then have to have to fight and claw and really baby, baby, baby face his way into a world championship opportunity at, let's say, full gear. As we get closer to that 2024 deadline and the whole, you know, the contract and the extension, the will he won't he, you can make Adam Cole the face of AEW as MJF is starting to, you know, talk about leaving as he continues to do. I don't hate the idea of doing that. I just don't know where you do Cole versus MJF now. That That's why I wanted them to go the route that I was discussing, that I want them to do something different. And if they do that, where he loses the Eliminator now, and then he gets himself back into contention, then he pretty much has to win the championship matchup. That's why I'm saying doing it this way, where he wins the eliminator, they have a TV match for the championship and MJF gets himself purposely disqualified, which they have never done 
in the in the four years that this company has been in existence, they've had heel champions. They had Kenny Omega as a heel champion. They've had Chris Jericho as a heel champion. They have never done a champion di- getting himself disqualified to keep his championship. And MJF is the perfect heel to do that. It bigs it, it builds up Adam Cole as the biggest challenge for MJF. And you're putting him over before he eventually takes the loss. Because I don't think that Adam Cole can afford to just, you know, lose the eliminator now, then get back into contention and then lose the eventual title match. If you do it the way I'm talking about where he wins two matches, he wins by pinfall or submission this Wednesday, then beats him by disqualification in the first title match. Then you put a stipulation on all in or all out. You Before he takes the eventual laws, he can say coming out of the feud, I beat MJF two times. I did what nobody else has seen to do in the past year is I've been the guy who's had MJF's number, and you know when MJF eventually beats him, he's going to do it in a nefarious way. He could say it was only because he had to cheat to win that I was able to, but no one else can say he's beaten MJF twice this year. I don't hate it. I'm just, I'm I'm looking at the calendar, and I'm like, where? Where do things fall? Where do things hey, fit? do it in Boston. Like I said, we're trying to sell tickets in the TD Garden. You can uh, do that first title match in Boston. You can do whatever you have in mind for what they do. And at the end of the show, you start off the show with either it ending in MJF getting disqualified, or you could do the 60-minute time limit draw, which I wouldn't suggest. There's, two, there's already... Yeah, we already did that with MJF and Brian, and it's not going to be as good as that. We did it with Brian. Unless Brian's in there, I'm not confident in a 60-minute time limit draw type of world title match because he's been the guy who's been doing it and getting us classic matches by doing it. Other than that, I don't see them doing it. So that's why I'm saying MJF gets himself purposely disqualified because that's something that the company hasn't done. They've never done a champion getting himself disqualified to keep the title with the world championship. And it's, and it's an interesting story to tell. So you, you could, yeah, you, I guess you could, I don't uh, listen, nothing, nothing we're talking about is a bad idea. All of our ideas are great, are yeah. amazing. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure that someone will, will run with literally all of our ideas at the same time. Absolutely. Right? Tony Khan, come on, come on, TK. Dude. I know you're there. Don't stop watching Fightful because you got one of the people there. You could keep watching us and taking ideas from, from the Fightful channels. That's right. In the weeds unrestricted. That's all we're doing. <laughs> anyway, let's, you want to shift over to, uh, to Impact? Want to talk about Against All Odds this weekend? Doing by this weekend, it. I mean tonight. <laughs> <laughs> tonight. Yes, I, I, I literally watched the last night's episode right before we went live here. Two weeks ago, they just did Under Siege. And then- exactly. Like I was, like, I was, like, I was wondering why they were like throwing all these matches for against all odds. And then like, when I'm watching the episode from last night, they like keep saying tomorrow night. I'm like, what? Yeah, I'm I'm watching the show and I'm just like, wait, what? Huh? I was watching Under Siege and they said in two weeks on June the 9th. and I'm just like, two? What the f-? like? I just I'm doing a post show tonight for this. Why are we? Why? So anyway, this is uh this is a really interesting card in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of good matches. There's a lot of interesting concepts. A lot of good story being told. We're on the way to Slammiversary, which is in mid July. So it makes sense why they're doing this now. They're going to pull this again on us, by the way, in August with Emergence. Emergence is all in 
actually I think it's the same night as all in. And then they're doing victory road and white plains in New York. I think like a week or two later. So they're doing this again in the, the late uh, summer months. So going to look forward to that. But anyway, the, let's, that's, that's later time. Let's talk about tonight. Uh, let's start with the, the countdown match. They're going to have uh, Kyle and King taking on Nevea returning to impact for the first time since she left in, I believe it was 2021. So looking forward to that. One thing I really like about this match is that as, as much as it's out of nowhere and as much as the coven just defeated the death dolls on impact last night for the not to retain the knockouts champion, world tag team championships, Nevea has a connection to Jessica and to Courtney yeah. rush because of, you know, Nevea and havoc having a tag team back in the day. Uh, and then of course, Kylan King is a member of the coven. So that story kind of continues here. And I'm glad that they brought in Nevea as the person to face Kylan King for multitude of reasons, including that. Uh, what do you what do you think of this match and who you got to win this whole thing? Well, I got Kylan King winning. Um, unless unless Nevea is coming in as you know, once again being an impact star, I think it is very interesting to keeping the the story going. And and Nevea, I would love. I just want to see the backstage segment where Nevea meets Jessica because she teamed with Havoc. So this would be her first time meeting Jessica and her first time meeting Courtney Rush, which I, I, I just love the fact that I interviewed Rosemary. And one of my questions was, oh, would you ever change your, your character? And then just a, a year later to have her now play Courtney Rush, I just, it just brings my heart. It just makes my heart so bigger because it, it feels like it, she gave me a little tease from her answer when I when I asked her that question. So yeah, I, I love what they're doing with the Dev Dolls and the Coven rivalry. I like the way the match played out uh, yesterday because I thought it would be too soon for... Um, uh, Death Dolls to win the championship. So the way they protected them in the loss with uh, Tyler Tyler uh, Taylor Wild tapping out to Courtney Rush's sharpshooter, I thought with behind the referee's back, I thought that was the best way to do it. But I think that this rivalry is going to continue after this. But for this one, I'll pick Kylan King. I think Kylan King's the right call here, and also. If Nevaeh is the special guest for this set of tapings, then you'll see her do a six-person, six-woman tag. Maybe the Coven will add a third. They'll do something else, or they'll just have some reconfiguration of the the you know five women in the story, uh, which would be fun. But uh, yeah, this should go into Slammiversary for the Coven and the Death Dolls, and. I think the Death Dolls captured the Knockouts tag titles at Slammiversary, which is a big deal for Courtney Rush because Can-Am Dojo, where she trained, is in Windsor, site of Slammiversary. There's going to be, I think, a lot of like Can-Am Dojo content coming into Slammiversary, which uh, we'll get into a little bit when we talk about the A41 match and all that stuff. The Digital Media Championship is also on the line on the pre-show. Joe Hendry defends against Dirty Dango. Super serious wrestler Dirty Dango has finally arrived. Months and months. I talk about with this with Kresla. Cresta, Cresla, it's like a, it's like it's like a little Cresla. It's gonna kill me. Clip this too. We got no. so many clips from this episode. God, no, stop it. Anyway, uh, Cresta and I talked about the interview where Dango said, "I want to portray a serious wrestler. I want to be a serious wrestler." So for months, her and I made fun of you know Dango when he was doing his old character. Uh, I was like super serious wrestler Dango's on the screen and he does this. Now we have super serious wrestler Dango. Uh, and first of all, how do you feel about this new dirty Dango character and the vignettes they've been rolling? Cause maybe people don't know 
they've been doing like this reality style promo, almost attitude era like because that's what Dango's trying to you know compare himself to. He's like, I grew up in the attitude era, and and now they call it the gratitude era. He's doing all this stuff, and uh, they they're doing like NWO style promos with a little bit of comedy, but also a little bit of like reality involved. What do you think of this character? Is it is it hitting for you? And what about like him going after a digital media championship? Super serious wrestler, digital media title. Like, give me, give me the give me your feelings about Dirty Dango, super serious wrestler. For some reason, I didn't think I would like it, but I do. I like the whole story that built up to him turning heel with him doing the investigation of who attacked Santino to find out that it was him all along. I like the whole rivalry with Joe Hendry, and I've been liking these vignettes because it's getting his character across in a different way than what Impact usually does. You're either going to see the backstage segment, you're going to see an interview at backstage, or you're going to see the interview interview in the in the ring but they're doing like these vignette styles the the black and white him wearing a two dollar shirt uh with a hole in it and stuff like that so i i dig it and i like it but my lord can we just talk about a minute the joe hendry song you're a diva recheck (laughs) incredible He, he hits it out the park Every single time, every, every time. single time, the moose one, the dancing moose, the, the edges bitch were Matt Cartona, and now the divas reject. You try to get laid on total divas. Oh my god, Joe Hendry. I, I think he's one of the best. <laughs> yes, of course, <laughs> I have that best, at the ready. <laughs> one of the best pickups. For Impact Wrestling in quite some time. He hits it out the park every single time. Unfortunately, though, I think it might be the time for a new champion. I think that Dirty Dango gets the job done because you can only play a new character and do a heel turn and it be effective if you win afterwards. They did the non-finish at Under Siege. If Joe Hendry just beats him here, that kind of kills the character kind of dead or he's going to be like an aimless character who's just going to find someone new to feud with, eventually probably do a matchup with Santino. I think to effectively put over this new character, Dirty Dango has to get the win here. So I'm of a few mindsets. One, I agree with what you're saying about a, a new heel having to get those big wins. Uh, at the same time, this is happening on the countdown show. <laughs> the bigger story isn't even Hendry and Dango. It's Dango and Santino. Yes. I don't like the idea of Dango winning the digital media championship and then having to go against Santino and Santino having to save it. Because if you remember this, the promo from this past Thursday, you had Dango saying, I'm going to win that title. I'm going to put it on eBay and I'm going to take the proceeds and I'm going to go to Hawaii with a hot girl. And uh, funny, cute, yes, but I don't need to see digital media champion Santino in Impact Wrestling in 2023. I want to see Dango and Santino settle their issue, I, but I think Joe Hendry is better as a digital media champion than any of the aforementioned people we just talked about. So. True. I could see Hendry winning. I could see Santino getting involved and maybe evening out the odds in terms of like the, the cheating and stopping any cheating from, uh, from dirty Dango. And then we set up whatever match at slam anniversary. I don't, like I said, I don't want to see a, I have to save the digital media championship at slam anniversary. That's me. Even though he's, he's from Canada. 
He's you, that's how you make it a big time matchup. You put the digital media championship on mm. Dirty Dango, and Santino's gonna save it. But I don't think Santino's even gonna beat Dirty Dango. I think Dirty Dango, if he does lose here, he's he's going to beat Santino when they have their match. And that's kind of that that's where it makes sense to me. If Dango loses tonight, which honestly I think they should have him lose tonight, he moves on and he takes out other people, has a mini feud going into Santino. And Joe Hendry does his own thing. Sheldon Jean, Kenny King, they can move into that because they seem to be kind of positioning that way last night. Uh, I would rather see that than Dango and Hendry again and, and Dango with the digital media championship. That's that's where my brain is at. So I think that Hendry wins. I think Dango looks good, but he still loses. And then he just kind of takes it out on somebody the next uh, the next Thursday on Impact. So that's where we're at. Now the main card. This is, ooh, baby. Let's talk about this. Dog collar match. It's going to be Masha Slamovich and Killer Kelly. Uh, I used to call her Kinky Killer Kelly, and then I was reminded of the initials, and I was like, I should stop. <laughs> especially, especially, especially when I bring it up to Righteous Red and SP3. And <laughs> on I've made this mistake a couple of times now. Anyway, Kinky Kelly, we'll just call her that. And Masha have a a dog collar match. Uh, Masha came out this past week and uh, stopped the BTI match between Silesia Sparks and Tara Rising. Uh, Great name, by the way. She's Taylor Rising on the Indies, but she's Tara Rising here in Impact, which is great. Uh, She stopped the match, beat the shit out of both women, cut a promo in Russian. I do not speak Russian. God, I wish I did. But what do you think about Slamovich and Kelly tonight in a dog collar match? Something we haven't seen before in Impact Wrestling, especially between the knockouts. Yeah, this is this is probably the match I'm looking forward to the most on this show because they've had this kind of rivalry where uh, Killer Kelly has basically found her her spiritual soulmate in the ring where they just want to be violent with one another and this splinters off from the big uh what was it the hardcore war at Re- Rebellion with they were the only two uh knockouts representatives in that match and they've been feuding ever since then they had the big brawl at Under Siege and then. And that segued into this whole dog collar matchup. Uh, I think these are the right women to be in that type of matchup. And I really enjoyed their first matchup on Impact TV as well. So I think this is going to be a highly physical matchup. I expect both women to probably bleed in this one, but I know that Masha Samovich won the first matchup, so it would make you think that Killer Kelly is going to win this one, but I think that Slamovich is going to win because I think that sooner rather than later, I think that we don't end 2023 without Masha Slamovich winning the Knockouts World Championship. That's what I want. I think that's one of the main reasons why she just lost the GCW World Championship because they want her, she wants to focus probably more on impact wrestling so i think she needs to win here to go on to bigger and better things i i think masha is primed to win the knockouts title before the end of the year is a good call could be a bound for glory if she takes on trinity and what could be trinity's final match with the company if she has a short-term deal that takes her through to that uh, to that pay-per-view that would work for me. And then you have big time baby face Trinity passing the title to big time badass Yel Masha Slamovich. However, you know, there's a third person that's slowly and silently coming up the ranks, and she's also redheaded. And that's Jody Threat. I'm hoping that whatever comes out of this dog collar match, 
Jody starts to kind of insert herself. And we made the joke on the post shows that like the redheaded triple threat has to happen. Like they got to do Masha and Kelly and Jody at one point. And it's going to be fantastic because the three of these girls can go and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. That being said, tonight, part of me wants to see Kelly win. Part of me wants to see Masha kind of uh, not, not go on the back burner. It's not that, but I want to see Kelly kind of take her, her spot and take her shot and move forward a little bit into whatever she's supposed to do next. Because when she came in, I think there was a lot of expectation that she would be a major player in impact. Um, but you turn it on its head, could turn into Kelly and Masha being a tag team again and them being like, yeah, we hate each other, but man, do we beat the shit out of each other. And I respect <laughs> you for that. So I wouldn't mind seeing that too. They go after the death dolls afterwards and, you know, after Slammiversary. So there are a few ways you can go with it. I, I really would like to see Kelly walk away tonight with the dog collar match victory. You could do a double count out where they both like choke each other out, which I think would be hilarious, but also keep both women safe. You got one on the outside and one on the inside and they're just pulling and pulling, whatever it is. Like somehow they're running, they're running away from each other and they somehow choke each other. I don't know how it works, but somehow they find a way to choke each other out. They're both down. They both lose, but they also both win because it looks good and it's a good match. I don't know. Hey, I, I, you can't go wrong with this one either. Either way, I think that I do agree that Kel- Killer Kelly needs a big win because she really hasn't got one since coming to Impact Wrestling. But I'm a huge Masha Slamovich fan. Like I, I remember, I interviewed her before she signed with Impact, probably like a year before she signed with Impact Wrestling, and I got to know her. She's a she was uh, trained in New York, kind of raised in New York, so it's a New York representative. Her, Eddie Kingston, anyone from New York, that's what I represent. See, I'm wearing a Wu-Tang, a Wu-Tang shirt today. I represent everyone from New York. That's what I'm about. I had Masha's first interview when she won the uh, the GCW World Championship because they nice. came to Toronto the next night. Yes. Uh, and now I'm trying to make this whole thing where I get the first interview for the GCW World Championship. So, Blake Christian, where are you? Come on. Where Come you on. at, Blake? I- I always say I want to interview the independent stars because I was on a streak when I first started doing interviews around 2018. And my first interviews was with Austin Theory was my first one a year before he signed with WWE. Uh, I I interviewed Mia Yim when she went into the Mae Young Classic and then she got signed by WWE. I interviewed LAX, Santana and Ortiz a year before they got signed to AEW. So I, I that's my I'm the gateway to getting signed. I interviewed Masha Slamovich a year before she signed with Impact Wrestling. So people, independent stars, reach out to me. I don't want to always have to reach out to y'all. Reach out to me. You're going to get you're going to get signed. The gatekeeper, SP3. I'm fine with it. Uh, speaking of gatekeepers, the good hands going up against Ace of Base for the Impact World Tag Titles. Is it time for Ace of Base to drop these tag titles to some good hands? Or is the uh, it's the other way around? Uh, it feels like they are positioning. That was, was an accident. What the, what the hell happened? Uh, something else. I was actually trying to do something else. 
Um, I, I, it feels like the, that they are positioning the good hands to be the next champions, you know, posi- uh, putting them with, uh, uh, Brian Myers, you know, that, that brings them a, a different look to them than being aligned with Bully Ray and Brian Myers seems to be very dedicated to them being a success and the champions of the knockouts uh, of the impact wrestling. So it does feel like that, but I am an ABC fan. I've been an ABC fan. Chris Bay, Ace Austin, I think they are just such a great team and a very underrated team because a lot a lot of people mention them when they talk about the best tag teams in the world. But slowly but surely with this championship run, they've been building up a, a resume of great matches, whether it's against the Motor City Machine Guns when they won the titles, the Ultimate X rematch from the Rebellion uh, under siege just two weeks ago. Their match with Subculture was awesome. And I think that this match is probably going to be the good hands, best match of their run so far in Impact Wrestling. But I feel like Jason Hodge is kind of the prospect of the good hands. That's the guy that is probably going to get the big push. I wouldn't be surprised if the good hands eventually do become the Impact Tag Team Champions. I just don't think it's the right time right now. I think you ride the hot hand and the hot hand is ABC. So I'm 100% in agreement. I don't. I don't see good hands winning. If they do it, it'll be a fluke because Brian Myers gets involved, but I don't see ABC. Like Ace of Bays are not done yet. We're still we're still enjoying that tag team dominance that they have. They put on great matches. Good hands will absolutely win those tag titles. I think it's coming. They are a tag team that from the get-go, I said, watch them. You're gonna see them develop, you're gonna see them become better and better. They're not going to win the titles on their first go, but they are going to get a lot of heads when they get their first opportunity. And that's what they're getting tonight. So I'm looking forward to the match. I have to shout out their finish, by the way. That move that they call the favor, where it's a a Samoan drop blockbuster combo. You hit it on anyone, it looks good. It's solid and it's different. It's different enough that people take note of it. And I got to say, it's a good finish for the good hands. I was going to say, you know, the good hands remind me of, especially with this combination with Brian Myers for old TNA fans, the naturals. They oh, really sure. remind me. They remind me of the Naturals when the Naturals was with Shane Douglas and Brian Myers is playing the role of Shane Douglas with them. That's a, like when you were talking about their finisher and how they are like we're considered the prospects. That's how we viewed the Naturals back in like 2004, 2005. Like they were the team on the rise. Yeah, I, that's a good shout. I like that. Uh, good. Keep an eye. Keep an eye on the good hands. They are they are Naturals 2023. <laughs> <laughs> An Ohio street fight tonight. OVE, that's a team of Jake Christ, Sammy Callahan. And if you had Madman Fulton on your bingo cards in 2023 impact, you win. He's joining the guys making OVE. They're gonna take on the design tonight. That's team of Diener, Khan, and Angels. Uh, this is this has to be the design's match to win. They have to win it this time. They've been losing all the big matches. They've been losing every time to Sammy and his teams. This is the one they have to win. Sammy and D- and Diener is the blow off. Presumably it's Slammiversary in like a Clockwork Orange House of Fun match. Whatever it is, some sort of gimmick match. But they have to get this big win here. Am I on the right track? Am I wrong? How do you feel, SB3? Who wins this match? 
I think you might be right because you make a good argument that the design needs this win. They've lost that rebellion. They lost that under siege. If they lose their third straight here, it's just like, what else do you do outside of probably? I think if they did lose, they would probably do like Diener be like, okay, the design is on the line. If the design, if I, if I lose to Sammy in whatever stipulation they do, the, then I'm breaking up the design. That's the only route to go to get people invested into another matchup between the design and uh sammy callahan i was under the understanding i was like it's in ohio you got ove you got madman fulton returning i think they're probably gonna win and i think in our prediction championship on true that's who i picked for this one but i think your argument is is strong that the design should probably win because you gotta give them a win sometime in this rivalry unless you're just gonna damage control them Woof. Also, Nevaeh is from Ohio. She can win, and that's the only Ohio win you need to win for the night. It's it's fine. It's okay. Uh, this will be a good. It'll be a good street fight because it's a street fight, but it's in Ohio. So clearly, how good could it be? Right? It's Ohio. Uh, half that half that that state's on fire. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Not a good <laughs> Jer- Jeremy left at the perfect time. Actually, he would tell you the same thing about Ohio. Let's face it. Yeah, he would. An X Division title rematch. Trey Miguel taking on Chris Saban. Chris Saban trying to be the nine time, nine time. I'm not going to do it nine times. He wants to be the nine time X Division champion. Trey Miguel wants to prove that he is the generational talent and no more, yeah, buts. And when he said that last night in London, I had such a good laugh because in Canada, like there's some people say, yeah, buddy, as like a rallying cry. And when he said, yeah, but someone in the crowd thought he said, yeah, buddy. <laughs> and he, yeah, yelled, buddy. he just yelled back, yeah, buddy. So no more yeah, buts for Trey or is Chris Saban about to become a nine time X division champion? I I would just uh, I if if Trey wins here I would just be asking why do we need Saban to get it on back to back uh special events like why do we need Saban to go after this championship on back to back shows within two weeks of each other it's unless each other you just figured it out unless unless Saban is winning here that's how you that's how you draw this one out a little bit more so I and and because Trey Miguel was so cocky so cocky in that matchup against Bruhinder uh uh Guja like he was just like oh it's over going to the top he misses his meteor and then automatically just reverses one move and then he wins it was just so dominant in this he's just so cocky and I feel like this is the matchup where he doesn't even try to cheat. He thinks that he can just beat Chris Saban outright, and that's when Saban beats him, and then eventually it leads to the 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 final matchup between them at Slammiversary. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a new champion. I think we got to get one new champion on this show, and I think it's gonna be Chris Saban. I don't disagree with you, but also to me. Saban loses twice. Trey gets a bigger head and Trey's going to lose it at ultimate exit slam anniversary. Cause they're going to do ultimate X. It's just, <laughs> it is the slam anniversary staple. It's, it's like the pay-per-view staple at this point. It's not even a slam. It's like every, there has to be ultimate exit, every pay-per-view. It's just the law. Now 
I could see Trey losing that at Ultimate X because he brought up, he's like, I defended it at Ultimate X. I defended it at Monsters Ball. I defended it against a guy who was the, the winningest X Division champion ever at eight times. He has a point. I think, and honestly, Trey deserves to be elevated further and further. As long as there is a heel champion on top in Steve Macklin, you can't move Trey Miguel up to the world championship. So you have to keep him where he is as the X Division champion. And then you have to keep finding baby faces to put in his way. I honestly, this is going to sound ridiculous, but like Yuya Yumura, he's, he's so good. But I keep saying this. I need that one moment that breaks him out of his shell and out of whatever he is. Like, who is Yuya? Yuya is a guy yeah. who looks like young Tanahashi, but now you've got young Tanahashi running around with John Moxley and like looking like dollar store Tanahashi and doing a much better job at it versus the guy in Impact who is like who has the he could pass as, as Tana's son or as Tana's like AI generated stunt double. I don't know. So Yuya, though, if you just find that one thing that breaks his character out, you could have a new X Division champion next month. I don't know if they'll do it, but I do think they'll do Ultimate X, and I feel like Trey's going to retain tonight and beat Saban, and it'll be clean, uh, and then that'll be that. And maybe it's the beginning of Trey turning, but I don't. Maybe not. I think it's more just Trey building that cockiness even further. I can I can see that as well, and I, I would love for Trey's reign to continue. And I, I see I think I've seen it in the chat. It could be Trey retaining from Myron Reed of the Rascals coming into the company because uh, I did ask him that when I interviewed him, and I asked him like, "They got two Rascals out there who are free agents, not signed to a major company. Uh, why not have them come in?" And you and that that can also be something where he, if he does lose tonight, then that's his thing that he does to keep him busy before he's elevated into that top spot is keep him busy in the, the tag team division where he goes after both of the machine guns after this because Saban beats him. So there's definitely a couple of different routes that they can they can go at this, but uh, I, I'm I'm okay with my Saban prediction for, for now. Uh let's let's gonna we're gonna do a one thing. Myron Reed from Louisville, Kentucky. You want to know where Zach Wentz is from? Where's Zach Wentz from? Lima, Ohio. <laughs> there, hey, it's in Ohio! Yeah, there's the show tonight. It's think, in Ohio! I think Zach Wentz coming back is a good shout. That would be the, the help that Trey needs that he didn't know he was going to get, quote-unquote, yeah. getting the Chris Saban rub. That could be it. And I would, again, I wouldn't mind seeing a, a Rascals reunion. Uh, that's that's how it is. And Wentz coming yeah. back and being being a piece of shit heel with with Trey. Let's do that. I'm fine. And with he that. and Trey told me he was like he wasn't shy to say that he would love for the Rascals to come back because he felt like the Rascals didn't do everything they could have, and they never were heels during their their run in Impact Wrestling. So Zach Wentz coming in and being a heel alongside Trey Miguel, and then you could also bring in Myron Reed if you want to have them be a whole stable, a trio like that. Bring back the Treehouse, but they 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 only they only invite the heels to the treehouse. Oh, Give me all. Of that. 
Moose back in the treehouse, but this time he's supposed to be. Yes, yes, he's supposed to be there now. That's how you get Moose to re-sign a contract with Impact. That's it right there. <laughs> but Wentz and Trey with Moose. Myron Reed would be great too. Honestly, you can bring them both back for all I care, but I'm just saying yeah. Wentz makes sense only because of geographical convenience, but again, we'll see where it goes tonight. I wouldn't mind Motor City Machine Guns versus Miguel and Wentz or Reed in this case. That would be a fun tag tag showcase. Maybe find the next uh, the next opponents for the uh, Ace of Bays down the line. There we go. Also, they they have great chemistry together. If you watch a uh, wrestling revolver, where they've been having a rivalry over there, so and, and pro wrestling revolver is Sammy Callahan's baby. So there yes. is great crossover between those two companies. Uh, let's move on. Oh my god! Impact veterans collide. Edward Edwards takes on Frankie Kazarian. I don't care about this match. There's no reason. <laughs> There's, 20 years ago I would have been like this sounds fun I don't care about this match SP3 I just don't they did a good job with the Frankie Kazarian uh, promos that they ran for three weeks that I thought should have been on YouTube but actually ended up being good enough for the TV show uh, at yeah. least the first one and then and then Edward Edwards is just Edward Edwards like <laughs> the match is going to be fun but like I, there's no oh, reason yeah. either of these men should win and go anywhere with it it's very surprising that this is their first singles match from what what they've been saying. This is the first time they're going one-on-one, which makes me believe that this is going to be a longer feud that's going to continue on into Slammiversary because they've only really just scratched the surface with all of this since starting it just before uh, Under Siege here and both being Killer Kowalski uh, graduates. There's a lot for them that kind of uh, pull back the layers in this rivalry, which makes me believe that you talk about you know design needing a win someone else who needs to win badly is edward edwards edward edwards needs to get this win here so i'm gonna go with uh, eddie to win here but i think that's just because i think that frankie is gonna win the eventual rivalry sure <laughs> i'm looking up wait a minute the enthusiasm there i love it i love it <laughs> They have not had a one-on-one. They've done a bunch of tags. They've never done a singles match. Their their time together goes back to 2014. The Wolves defeat Bad Influence in the UK. Sure. <laughs> Why are you so upset? There's no- I don't... I don't I- <laughs> You're you're now reminding me of doing a show with Jimmy, where Jimmy doesn't like people that other people like. He, like he he's so down on the Orange Cassidy uh, international title run. Everybody loves Orange except for Jimmy. You know, I I I don't know too many people who love uh, Eddie Edwards, but I know there's some people who probably enjoy Eddie Edwards, but not Joel Pearl. There are many people who like Edward Edwards. I just don't. <laughs> First of all, your first name and last name are the same. You're just using the kid spelling for the first name. But that's not important here. That's not what we're doing. Uh, and by the way, the Orange Cassidy thing. I like Orange Cassidy. I like him as a champion. I didn't like this past Wednesday. Or I don't like that the story of I'm so beat up, but I am just randomly going to like power out and win the match. That, that I don't love. But uh, I like the title reign. I just think the story is getting a little bit lost in the matches these days. That's all. So uh, it's still, I, I'm looking forward to whoever beats Orange Cassidy only because 
of the story of Cassidy being beat up so bad that he just can't keep going. Him finding a way can only last for so long. Like he literally had the kinesio tape running up his back this week. He's going to be, he's, they're going to call him like kinesio tape Jones and then he's going to lose and Taz will have a field day. He would love it. He's, you know he's going to be the one who calls him that. And I I, I, I really thought Swerve was going to win. We said it here on Wednesday. I said that I thought that Swerve was going to get the win, and he, he didn't. But the only reason I was fine with it, and even someone who doesn't like Orange, like Jimmy, he was like, he was like it was a great match. He was like, he doesn't really <laughs> say great match too often with anything. He likes to temper expectations and stuff. But he said that was even a great match, that it made him all right with it. And I was the same way where I really want this work to win, but it was a great match. So I'm all right with it. But I, I will also agree with Jimmy when he said that if, if powerhouse Hobbs or Miro is the next one and orange gets by them, it's just like, you're now downgrading one of your monster heels because how can you not beat a half dead orange Cassidy? Right? Exactly. So anyway, going back to impact, uh, yes. someone's going to win that match. <laughs> Eddie. <laughs> Eddie's gonna win. I'm sure. a fan, Eddie. Eddie's gonna win. Lish is gonna get involved, and then next time at Slammiversary, it's gonna be Edward Edwards and Lisha Edwards versus Frankie Kazarian and the returning Tracy Brooks. Tracy Brooks. I was about to say Trinity. I'm like, no, that's the next match. <laughs> <laughs> It was like, I know it's one of those former knockouts that was here in 2004. <laughs> one of brother kids to the, to the pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah, Tracy Tracy and Frankie versus, which is like, it's like watching Grease. Hey, it's Tracy and Frankie versus hey, the Eddie. The, the, the Tracy and Frankie versus Lish and Eddie. Eddie, yo, man. Hey, yo. Hey, hey, yo. Hey, yo. It's like scenes from an Italian restaurant. It's like Billy Joel's going to write a song about this tag match. <laughs> Frankie and Tracy. I've been watching an episode of Sopranos. <laughs> Bottle of red. Bottle of impact. This is what I, this is what happens to me when I'm with Joel Pearl talking about impact wrestling, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> At least I got the New York thing going with Billy. <laughs> We're still, we're still in the New York isms. We're still here. Sorry, New York. We're in a New York state of mind. Yes, I had to do it. All right. <laughs> Trinity and Diana Perrazzo versus Giselle Shaw, Simon Evans. Uh, there are a couple of ways this goes. I, I mean, Trinity and Diana winning is pretty straightforward, and it feels like they'll do that, and maybe they'll both squabble over who gets to pin Savannah Evans, but. What if all that turns into a can they coexist? No, they can't at the end. And Giselle Shaw pins one of them. And then they try to make the the, the Slammiversary match a triple threat because Shaw got the win, let's say, over Deanna. She pins Deanna, who's, who said in her, her, in her backstage with, with Trinity in their interview, Deanna's like, I've pinned Giselle Shaw before. This is nothing new to Giselle Shaw. She's going to get pinned again. What if Giselle evens it up and she gets the pin on Deanna and then tries to get her way into that match Slammiversary instead? What do you think of this tag match? Who have you got winning and what makes sense to you? I would love if they did that before they had already started promoting this matchup of Diana and Trinity, because that feels like the biggest knockouts matchup they could possibly do, where once again, 
we might go into a third straight impact pay-per-view where the knockouts have to main event the show. Like there was an option for rebellion, but I think they went the right route of doing Deanna and Jordan in the main event. Deanna, Jordan versus Mickey was the obvious choice for hard to kill. And now when you got Trinity versus Deanna, this is once again, a situation. If you're like your main event matchup and we'll talk about who's going to win those top two matches, if it's going to be what I'm thinking it's going to be, you could possibly do again Trinity versus Deanna, especially if it's going to be Trinity winning the championship. So I definitely, if they hadn't already promoted this and said this is the big one of the headline matches for Slammiversary, then yeah, Giselle should win here to make it a triple threat. So then you can prolong this feud a little bit more between Deanna and Trinity. But I think that the right move is to have the baby faces work together get the win here and then do their little stare down afterward where it's a battle of two people that have respect for another. But as the weeks go on, that respect is going to die down a little by little each week. I like it. I do think that you've already started promoting the one match. I mean, card subject change pal, but you know, yeah. uh, I don't think that they would change it. I do think Giselle would try to weasel her way in, but maybe unsuccessfully, maybe they'll run a match that is Trinity versus Giselle for the number one contendership. They do the rematch and Trinity gets the definitive win over Giselle. And that's it. Uh, but yeah, Trinity versus Deanna is the match. Babyface, babyface seems weird, but Deanna is very much a babyface now. They want to keep it that way. Trinity is a babyface. Everyone's going to love her regardless, and that's fine. Uh, I don't mind this match being a respect match, the, the, the Slammiversary match, uh, but eventually they're going to have to fight over something. That's, yeah. you know, the knockouts title and something personal, but I'm willing to give it a little time, see how they build it. Because uh, again, Trinity brings eyes to impact. As long as the promos are fire, as long as the matches are good, no one's going to complain about Trinity versus Deanna at Slammiversary. Correct. But also, like, come on, Giselle Shaw would be great in that triple threat. Let's oh, go. oh, G- Giselle <laughs> Shaw, 100%. 100%. I am all for Giselle Shaw eventually becoming a, a knockout champion as well. Either Giselle or, or Masha after Trinity. That should probably be the route. Yeah, the, the amount of improvements in the ring and out that Giselle Shaw has made over the last few years is noticeable. And yeah. she even told me, like, when we did an interview, she was like, now I, wrestling is my full-time job. I get to focus on wrestling. I get to focus on my nutrition. I get to focus, focus on my promoing and my training. And it shows. When you yeah. are dedicating your full, your full self to this, you see the development. You see the changes. And Giselle Shaw is a very, very good example of that. Uh, the first ever 8-4-1 match. Eight men come in, four men come out, one comes out as the champion for real. And then not the champion, the number one contender for the Impact World Championship. So this actually, this starts off as a four-on-four tag match. That's the eight. The eight men are Bully Ray, Jonathan Gresham, Heath, and Nick Aldis on one side. Opposite them are Moose, Speedball, Mike Bailey, Rich Swan, PCO. The winners of the four-on-four then compete in a four-way match. And then the winner of that is the number one contender. So the four-way match is a, uh, is a, is a fatal four-way. Uh, listen, Bully Ray, Jonathan Gresham, Heath, and Nick Aldis are on one side. And who has been going after most of the Macklin title stuff? Give you a hint. Half of that <laughs> team. <laughs> All of that team pretty much when you really, except for Gresham. 
uh, Heath has the whole story going on because Rhino was was taken out by Macklin. You got Bully Ray's aligned himself with Macklin after Under Siege, and Nick Aldis is the one that stepped up to Macklin after he won the championship at Rebellion. They couldn't have made it more obvious who's winning this eight-man tag part of this. God bless Impact for at least running PCO out there last night and having him stand tall in the ring with like bully and all this looking on and being like, Oh, this is the guy we're fearing. And it's just like, rich Swan is out. Big Moose is out. Speedball is nowhere to be found because he's in Japan. So (laughs) Speedball is like just completely non-factor. He's just not there. So now the big, the, the big question of this match is who does Nick Aldis pin to get the number one contendership? Is it Gresham or is it Heath? Because Gresham's been eating a lot of L's. It feels like John yeah. during the end of his time in Impact Wrestling, and they just wrote off his wife, Jordan Grace, in a very interesting way. We'll talk about that in a second. But who wins the 8-4-1? And how, how does Nick Aldis win? Exactly. Uh, I think Aldis should win by pinning Bully Ray. I think he should pin Bully Ray because Bully Ray is kind of the second to Macklin, and he's probably the one that's more, most likely to uh, kind of disrupt this whole thing. And he needs to beat a, a big-time heel to get the cheers. I think if he pins uh, Gresham or, or Heath, it's not as effective as him getting the big pop of beating Bully Ray in this matchup. So I think that's how Nick Aldis gets the win. You, you put him, put, put Bully in the Texas Cloverleaf so they can once again say Bully tapped out again. That's a good, that's a good shout. And does Scott Demore cost Bully the match? I can see that. I can one hundred percent see that. Even though I feel like it would be too soon, it, no, it's only been two we're weeks. Doing, we're doing Scott and Bully at at Slam Anniversary. Oh God, no! And it's gonna be it's <laughs> gonna be like career versus contract, or like presidentship of Impact Wrestling versus Bully Ray's contract, or something like I, that. I really feel like Joel Pearl should be there in Ohio. He should get on a flight like right after the show is done, and you should fight for your father's. Uh, a legacy and his pride. You should fight on behalf of your father because they put your father through a flaming table. Papa, I'll help you for a thousand dollars. No, you need to show up. You need to show up like Shane McMahon after Randy Orton kicked him in the head and just, you just <laughs> potato in, potato in, fully ready. <laughs> and then yeah. Macklin comes out. And he's like, you. you. That's our championship match right there. It's Macklin versus me. There's no one ever except for me. I'm going to beat Macklin's ass. Uh, yeah, Aldis wins. Maybe pinning Bully isn't a bad idea. I'd rather keep Bully strong and have Ald- and have uh, Scott Demore screw him out of it. What, maybe they brawl to the back and then Aldis just pins Jonathan Gresham. I'm sorry. Imagine Aldis Demore brawling with Bully to the back. How's that keeping him strong? He's actually having a a a, a even brawl with Scott Demore. That's hey, keeping him strong. Scott Demore posted on his on his Twitter not too long ago a match that he had with or, or the promotion for a match that he had against an unknown superstar upcoming at the time na- named Rocky Maivia, and it was for the WWF Intercontinental Championship while he was the Border City Wrestling Can Am Champion or maybe just the, the heavyweight champion. So I'm just saying. Scott, Scott's got the hops like 20 years ago, but Scott's got the hops. 
Hey, he okay. did the Canadian Destroyer very well. That's uh, right. He, uh, what was that pay-per-view? Yeah. Anyway, it's fine. It's okay. It was good. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the match. I just, it's like, who does Aldis pin? And how do we set up Bully's next match at Slammiversary? Everyone else is just kind of there. Yeah. Not only got he has Frankie Kazarian. This would be a great spot if uh, Eric Young wasn't signed somewhere else. Him to come in and defend Scott Demore on behalf, that would be cool. Sorry, Eddie. That'd be a nice little callback. Scott, uh, Eric Young's dead. Can't bring him back. Nah. Can't bring yeah, him up. But so, so going back to what I was saying with Jordan Grace, they wrote her off by saying she is out indefinitely. So clearly, yes. Impact is optimistic that they're going to bring her back in the next few months, potentially. Uh, what do you think of that as as the write off? Because again, Impact only only they only mark you dead when they know you're done for good. Yeah, if they have, if they think there's a chance for you to come back, they either send you to the undead realm, they write you off indefinitely, say you got arrested or something. When they feel that there's a chance that you can come back, so I think that I think that what we saw with the report for Jordan Grace was that she wasn't gonna go. She didn't sound like she even wanted to go anywhere else. She just wanted to take some time off. So I think that's what impact is going on. Yeah, and I wouldn't mind. Seeing Jordan Grace come back, get the win over Giselle, but also I still want to see that that world title around Jordan Grace's waist. I want to see her come back. I would love to see her go somewhere else for a little while, gain some traction, come back, and be like, I'm on my I'm on my final few months here. And I came back to Impact to win the one title that I never got a chance to win, and that is the Impact World Championship. So I wouldn't mind seeing that, but for now, just seeing that Impact's writing her off with an indefinitely storyline instead of a You'll never see her again. I think that speaks volumes as to the the conversations that they've had. Yeah, it, it, it might tell us that she's probably telling them what's in the report, that she feels like she feels her best in Impact Wrestling, which I don't blame her. And I do agree with you. I think she uh, if she's not the second ever female world champion, then what are we doing? She's the, she'll be the, she would be the first ever. Who am I kidding? Yeah, and that's then, true. That's true. They they were rec, they retcon they retcon yeah, that. Yeah, vacant won that title. Uh, for the Impact World Title. Speaking of which, Steve Macklin, the current champion, who I'm going to be shut out of in a couple months, uh, he's going to take on Alex Shelley. Shelley did a really good job this week. That promo that they aired of of Shelley talking about his past, talking about having been there for all the major champions, the Kurt Angles, the Stings, the AJ Styles, the Jeff Jarrett's winning the world title, but he was always there, and how he's elevated the games of, of Tyler Black, Seth Rollins, of Kuzichka Okada, of uh, the Young Bucks. He brings up Johnny Gargano. Yeah. Talks about, uh, he talks about... Switchblade. Switchblade, Switch Jay That's right. Brings up all these people. He says, now it's my time. This is Now it's about me. I like that they've made this match a lot more interesting given that one promo because let's face it we we have a pretty good idea of who's going to win this match but they're at least going to make this entertaining and give us a little bit of something coming into it who wins the world title match and, and why is it steve macklin unfortunately I think it's Steve Macklin because they're they're really trying to position Steve Macklin and try to get him as close as they can to Josh Alexander, where Josh Alexander was the best Impact World Champion that they had in quite some time, and it wasn't even thanks to you know the long length of his title reign; it was the quality of his matches. And I think I think everybody will agree if you watch that PCO matchup, that far exceeded anybody's expectations. That was a, a, a 
amazing spectacle of a matchup with the with with the crimson mask that Steve Macklin had, the risk that they took, the cinder blocks, everything that they used in that matchup that far exceeded, and that was the best PCO matchup that he's had since coming to Impact Wrestling. And Steve Macklin really started his reign on the right foot, and now they're turning around two weeks later and giving him a totally different opponent, a totally different match to have, but someone that can also give him another great match and set him even further on the right foot here. So I think that Steve Macklin does get the win, but it's going to be a 20, 25 minute kind of uh, showing off Steve Macklin's wrestling skills in a way that he didn't, he wasn't able to show in that brutal spectacle with PCO. Yeah. And I agree. It's going to be, it's going to be a good match. That's really what it comes down to. The, the, the outcome is not in doubt, but it'll be nice to see Macklin win a match differently than the way he just did two weeks ago at Under Siege. That is against all odds. That is tonight. If you're watching us live on Friday at noon Eastern, the uh, the show is is tonight. Starts around seven seven thirty on Impact's YouTube channel. <laughs> you have to yes. be a member. It's five bucks. Go go subscribe to that. Uh, and if you want to get the results and the full recap, myself and Crest the Star will be live tonight after the show goes off the air. Probably here on Fightful Overbook, to be honest, but uh, keep us locked to different social channels and Fightful. We will tell you where it's going to lead. Let's get out of here. It's Friday. The weather is, eh, it's okay. SP3, get your shit in. Uh, follow me on the Twitter machine at True Hill SP3. Follow uh, the True Hill Heat YouTube channel where I do a bunch of content over there. We'll go in live at 1.05 p.m. Eastern time today to review Dark Side of the Ring Season 4 Episodes 1 and 2 with the Episode 1 being on Chris Candino and Tammy Cinch as well as Episode 2 on Magnum TA. It will be myself and Miss Chrissy Love. We have a lot of fun talking about Dark Side of the Ring even though some Sometimes the subjects are not that fun. It is, we love to hear from all of y'all in the live chat. So join us live over there. And thank you, Joel, for allowing me to join you on Wednesday today. Always have fun talking wrestling with you and uh, doing all the New York isms as we do here. <laughs> this was a great week. Thank you to SP3 for hanging out for the last couple of days. Uh, Jeremy will be back when he's ready to come back. So SP3, get ready. You could be back in the hot seat as early as Monday. We'll see what we do. Until then, I am at Joel Pearl, J-O-E-L-P-E-A-R-L. Go subscribe to the channel here at Fightful Overbooked and subscribe to True Heel Heat. Go watch what they're putting out because they put out some great content over there. Drop a thumbs up here on this video and do all the things that we do all the things that we ask you to do, would you? Have a good weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, friends beyond the binary, we'll see you in the next one. Cheers. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.